ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 71 of the Whatevery Show. You can follow along if you want to. We are at whatevery.co slash 71 for this episode and all the things we're going to talk about tonight, uh, which is good and plentiful, um, not to steal anybody's candy trademark or anything like that, but uh, we've got all kinds of stuff. Batman Rumor Mill, uh, we've got all kinds of new Batman news, sort of, because we've reported on Batman news, like, I think four episodes in a row now, and it's been basically contradictory every single time so every fun every time we do a podcast and we include batman news like the next day i wake up and i see something else and i feel like i got punched in the gut yeah i'm pretty sure like uh somebody is sitting over at dc and they're just like uh the new whatever is out let's fuck with those guys yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah uh in the marvel news scarlett johansson talks about why there's no black widow movie which is cool because we talked about why is there no black widow movie just this last episode of the one before that um, so I'm anxious to talk about that on the show tonight. Secret Empire is going to be the end of Hydra Captain, uh, Captain America, that is. Uh, that's, that's exciting. First look at Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. Holy nuts. Um, yeah, we're going to spend some time on that. We're going to spend some time there. Um, Firefly Reboot. We've got a whole bunch of wrestling news. Uh, tonight was Elimination Chamber. We've got some other stuff to talk about. Dumbo news, too. Come on, man. Oh, fuck. Dumbo news. It's not every day we get to talk about Dumbo. But tonight, we do, folks. Dumbo news coming up. Stick around. Indeed. Okay, so let's open it up with uh, some DC news and uh, the whole Batman rumor mill, as you know, you so eloquently put in the show notes. <laughs> um, uh, so joining us this week, of course, uh, since we have a pay per view to talk about, we've got Ryan Bailey, hello, our yes. yeah resident uh, wrestling expert. Um, he's also been kind of on the ball with uh, looking for any any dirt he can find on what's going on with the Batman since uh, Affleck has stepped away from the director's chair. And he actually texted both of us the other night saying, hey, guess what? Uh, they're going to do a complete rewrite for the script. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Yep. Heart dropped down <laughs> to my balls at that point because it's like, oh, come on. Like, we need any more bad news from uh, Sorry, Batman. Sorry, guys. DC so, hurts. Yeah. So then um, this is a Forbes article that he that he posted. And um, Okay, so I want to stop you right there. If I'm going to quote anything that Donald Trump has ever said, it's going to be, you're terrible. Okay, your organization's terrible. Right. That's where I would get concerned, because Forbes, Forbes, uh, um, at some point I think Forbes was a reputable reputable news source, but now- Forbes was like one of those, like, non-GQ men's mags. I I don't know what it is now, but (laughs) what it is now is, like, it seems to be like a place where I can go and get a a variety of misinformation, although that's not entirely true occasionally. They've got exquisite coverage of Pokemon Go. Yeah. Occasionally, too, they cover something, um, and they get the facts right, but they get the story completely wrong. So, like, uh, um, I don't know how it would relate to this particular thing, but they, you know, they may hear somebody say, uh, you know, the the writers aren't aren't in the the um, writing room this weekend, and everybody panics. Oh my God, we're leading up to the movie. They got to be writing. They, of course not. And and it, as it turns out, they just had the weekend off. So here's the thing. I went and found a different article. Um, this one happens to be. Wasn't it BatmanNews.com? Apparently, I don't know. This is, of course, uh, a much more reliable source. Having the Batman right in the the, the URL. um, Several news sources online, though, have actually um, covered this, though, and that is that the Batman script is done, and that not only is Ben happy with it, but so is Warner Brothers. Um, I gotta believe that that's probably pretty true because they did have Chris Terrio come in and do a rewrite over the script that. uh, um, Jeff Johns and and Affleck worked on together and Chris Terrio wrote Argo 
So if he's in there polishing, that's not surprising to me. And if you're going to bring Chris Terrio in to polish the script, you're not going to rewrite it from page one. Yeah, this seems semi-credible. You know, I guess the short of it is, between the contradicting rumors, um, who the fuck knows what's happening over there? That's the scary part. I think as a DC fan, as somebody who really wants to see this property work out, um, that there seems to be some sort of clusterfuck of news coming out every other week. Uh, uh, for this movie and you know from dc in general is just kind of concerning we talked about this in the last show we don't know we don't work there maybe it's all fine maybe everybody's doing great over there but it just seems like when every week we get some new like oh this guy dropped off the project that guy's not doing this thing anymore we're gonna rewrite this script from the ground up no we're not uh maybe something's fucked up i feel like i mean wasn't a week before he announced that he wasn't directing the batman film that he announced on jimmy kimmel that he still was directing it yeah. At the time, and yeah. then he turns around and is like, actually, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't feel comfortable. There's too much weight. I'm and not then... comfortable saying that this was all Ben's decision either. I... I think I think the studio had a lot to do with that. And it's it's probably a PR move for him to come out and say, look, uh, I'm going to step away from this for these reasons. But ultimately, I think it's probably Warner Brothers. It wouldn't surprise me even in the slightest. Like, I, I still don't think Warner Brothers knows what it's doing with DC. And, and I think all the news we're seeing come out of here is, is kind of, uh, you know, evidence of that. We're, we're like, going to we're gonna actually have a stark contrast to this particular um, clusterfuck that is the Batman when we talk about Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. Yeah. And the, the press coverage and interviews with cast and all that kind of stuff that Marvel has gone out of their way to do themselves. Like, yep. They're not even relying on third-party news sources to break these things. They're just like, guess what? Here's our website. Here's a video. Watch it. It's pretty cool. Yep, pretty much. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, it, it appears that we may have a director now as well for the Batman. Yeah, so I threw this link in there. I saw this the other day um, on the interwebs. And the rumor is that Matt Reeves uh, may direct the Batman. Um, and Matt Reeves seems like he'd be a good choice. Um, but this is another one of those. What's like, he done? He's done Planet of the Apes. That um, yeah, I was I was just gonna look just it up for you. But finished directing the newest one that I think comes out this summer. War for the Planet of the yes. Apes. Did they lose their director in the middle of filming? Uh, no, I don't think so. He filmed the last two Planet of the Apes. The first one he didn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's a quick in the in the article we linked to here in the show notes. There's a little bit of his credits. So Cloverfield, um, heard of it. Pretty good. As far as I know, shaky I think, cam, uh, shaky she, cam, yeah. shaky cam gets a little ridiculous. Hopefully, you know he's got a director of photography. He'll rein that in, and hopefully, you know this next project actually that he did, which I did see and is phenomenal. Let the right one in. Completely different photography style. So, um, I, I think that probably bodes well. It's uh, all about that DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get the DP. <laughs> um, Speaking of DP, does it bug anybody else that when you find a porn star on Twitter, then you follow them, they don't post any nude pics? <laughs> I mean, this is a problem I run into just so often. <laughs> I don't because I don't have Twitter um, or Instagram. Or you really should have Twitter. Else. Yeah, obviously, we've just nailed down the whole reason why it exists. Um, uh, and of course, we talked about Planet of the Apes. Matt Reeves also did Planet <laughs> of the Apes. <laughs> oh, wait, we're, we're not talking about porn. No, that was a solid segue, I thought. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, so. It seems like he he could be a decent choice for this. I mean, it, it as good as anybody. Uh, I think uh, I've saw I've seen both Planet of the Apes movies so far, and I actually really liked They're them. They're both solid. Yeah, especially considering the fact that I went into them kind of thinking I'm probably not gonna like this. Like uh, I'm not a big fan of Hollywood remakes, and a lot of the times they fall pretty flat for me. Um, 
this isn't a remake. It this is a um sort of prequel reboot-ish sort of thing. Um but they were both pretty good. So Honestly, uh James Franco killed it in the first one. He was amazing. Um yeah. with honestly the, the most disappointing thing to me the most disappointing thing to me was um that we had uh, David Hewlett in the first one. Yeah. And we did not get to see more of him in the second one. I thought for sure that that was going to be a thing. And since I'm a huge Stargate Atlantis fan, yep. Dr. McKay, like I was just like, this guy could act. Just let him act. Yeah. Get McKay but, back for the second one or, or we write it. You know, like that was the same thing for, for me too. Yeah. Um, sorry. He lets- the thing that has me happy about the Matt Reeves thing is that he is a story driven director as far as like when you look at Two Planet of the Apes, for instance. Yeah. Character, like the character of Caesar, you feel that character. I think what I'm most excited about about Matt Reeves, um, if it's confirmed that he's directing, is that he's not Zack Snyder. That is a big, solid push yeah. at this point for me, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed another big project that he worked on, too. Um, he, he directed several episodes of Felicity. Oh, how could you? Th- yeah. And Homicide, Life on the Street. Oh, well, that's the Batman, Homicide, Life on the Street, whatever. Yeah, same deal. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, if, you, if you've directed or worked in Hollywood for any number of uh, years at, at all, basically, you've probably got some projects that weren't the best. Chances ever. are good you directed a shitty TV show at one point in time. And don't get me wrong, there's there's probably plenty of fans of Felicity out there who are like, fuck you, that was the best show ever, and his episodes were wonderful. Um, but uh, I, I never watched it, because It could be. You could be right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the Batman uh, rumor mill whirlwind of uh, misinformation for you this week. Uh, I think at this point we're going to tr- stop trying to probably definitively say anything that doesn't cor- come directly from Affleck or Jeff Johns' mouth uh, because, Jesus, even then. Even yeah. then, well, like you said, like last week or two weeks ago, he was on, uh, you know, whatever night show saying, yeah, I'm directing the movie. And then next week he's not directing the movie. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess he changed his mind that fast. Could be. <laughs> Let's get into some Marvel news, though. First up in the Marvel news area, Scarlett Johansson talks about why she's no longer Black Widow. Or there's no Black Widow movie. Um, no, she's uh, just why there is no movie yet. So, um, Heroic Hollywood has a story for us here. So, they interviewed my girlfriend. Yep. You know. Okay. Not quite. <laughs> but, you know. We can dream. I'm pretty sure I have a hall pass for that one. I mean, you sold that better than Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I used to be over, so. Yeah. Um, no, so Scarlett Johansson did a did an interview recently where she talked about the lack of a Black Widow movie. Um, it really came down to timing on both her and the studio's uh, part because it's, those movies are big projects. Um, they haven't been able to really come to terms on scheduling. Plus, she, she kind of, toward the end of the, in, end of the interview, talks about how she's not sure if she's up for it, but if the fans really want it, then she would do it specifically for that reason and um, the best of her abilities yeah but that's that's the thing is she said if she does it that she's she needs to make sure that she's got enough time in her schedule to just pour everything into it and okay. do okay. a good movie all right sure Scarlett. since you're listening i'm sure my name's eddie i'm a fan do the fucking movie yeah. uh do the fucking movie but she also said i believe that and they the... advance so far in their schedule and their roster is so large that to cram something in would be hard. I could see maybe a phase four. In no way, shape, or form, Scarlet, should you press charges for anything <laughs> that Eddie or, and I might say or do. Or have said or done. Fair. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's a fair point, but I, I really think that this is a movie that um, deserves to be made. Like, number one, 
we can all see that there's a lot of good Black Widow stories to be told. Uh, number two, we've seen what they've done with Winter Soldier and the sort of spy-esque action flick that that movie was. Mm-hmm. And it just lends even more credence to the ability for them to do something in the for Black Widow specifically that could flesh that out I'm, even more. I'm totally comfortable considering Winter Soldier a Black Widow movie. It kind but, of is a little bit. Um, it, obviously, not entirely. That's not an entirely fair, but I would say, yeah, it is it is one of the, the primarily Black Widow stories in the MCU. And it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, she also a, got a lot of screen time in Ultron, but that the ho- whole Ultron movie was kind of... I mean, that's, that's probably going to fall flattest for me in the MCU right now, except for maybe Iron Man 2. She had quite a bit in Civil War yeah. as well. A fair amount. She had some. She had some screen time, but that was a lot less Scarlet, uh, like Black Widow centric. As in, it didn't really advance her character or story whatsoever. Right. She um, was definitely a character in the movie, but it didn't yeah. change. And she who got she screen time and shit movie. like that. Um, it. I think they. I think Black Widow is probably the one character they could probably get away with doing a complete side movie that isn't necessarily interconnected with the rest of them. The only thing that maybe. Um, so just from what they've set up in the universe so far, the only thing I could say maybe they connect a little bit is the whole Hawkeye relationship. Because um, they're, they're leading into Avengers number one. Um, there was obviously a relationship prior with Hawkeye of some sort. Um, so I could see them, you know, throwing Hawkeye in there in some, you know, manner or other, which is another, you know, thing that wouldn't bother me is if Hawkeye got a little bit more um, um, development. I mean, I know they, again, tried to push him a little bit in Ultron, but Ultron seemed a little bit to me like, uh, these characters need more screen time, so let's come up with a reason to put give them some. All yeah. of a sudden, Hawkeye's this dad and the, the lives in a farm and whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, although I did kind of appreciate the twist that they're like, wait a minute, you're married and you have kids and you have this farm and nobody knew about it. And he's like, yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it wouldn't bother me so much. if I go if, split my wood, Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> you do my chores. Earn your keep, bitch. Yeah. So yeah, they could do that. I, I, like make a make a Black Widow movie and and you know throw some Hawkeye in there. It doesn't have to be even Hawkeye centric. It shouldn't probably be the whole fleshing out of every you know piece of their backstory because especially from comic lore that that's pretty extensive. But it wouldn't hurt to me if they threw um, um, Hawkeye in there the way that they've thrown Scarlet into uh, you know lots of other MCU properties. Yeah, and I don't want to see too much of her backstory because I think one of the appeals to uh, the Black Widow Natasha Romanoff character is that. The mystique of her. There is some mystery involved in the bad shit she's done in her past and whatnot. Like, I don't think that should necessarily be fleshed out. Yeah, they got to give it maybe a little bit, I think. I think if they, they put a little bit in there, it'd I think be they okay. they give us enough in Ultron, don't you? Yeah, you're probably right. I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, first off, I don't think I'd be unhappy either way unless they just make a shit movie out of it, but, um, yeah. I, I, I think know. I think there's one thing that all three of us can agree on that it doesn't matter how feminist we are, we would like to see Scarlett Johansson in a black pleather suit a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, plus it it is kind of you know like we we talked about this in the last episode. It's a little sad that her, you know her her action figures and stuff like that don't get placement on store shelves like the the guys do, and uh, that she totally could support a movie um, and that they haven't made it yet. And I guess you know if she's saying. Well, I said no, then, you know, whatever. I guess there's no real feminism angle there. But I do think that it would be, you know, advancing in, in general. So, yeah, I agree. Plus, I just want that movie. I just want that movie. I don't have to have an, an agenda. Too. Just make it. Okay, um, uh, next up, Secret Empire will be the end of Hydra Captain yep. America, which about fucking time, probably. Actually, I've been reading Captain America Steve Rogers, which is covering, like, basically the Hydra Cap yeah. angle. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. You get backstories. You get uh, um, 
because obviously they revealed pretty early on that it's it's um Kobik the uh uh cosmic cube mhm is uh manipulating Steve into believing that he was brought up in the hydra ranks so you're seeing his his memories that are false memories and it talks about him being taken to um you know, like a secret uh, private school for Hydra kids and whatnot, and he meets uh, Baron Zemo as a kid, and they kind of come up through the ranks of the school together and whatnot. Uh, it's a really fascinating read. I I actually do look forward to this book every time it, when it comes out, just to kind of see what it's. It's kind of like a giant Elseworlds or What If magazine that like they used to have back in the nineties. Either DC or Marvel kind of had those where you're like, yeah. It's not continuity, but what if we told the story where Spider-Man got the cosmic powers? You know, they do mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And this is like, yeah, we can't make it continuity, but we did. Yeah. And now Cap is Hydra, and it's fun. It is it is a fun look at, at Cap. Um, his appearances through other books have actually been really spot on with his, his Hydra uh, backing and stuff like that. Like, the, the way that they... Uh, the artists are always able to kind of position him, kind of looking out of the corner of his eye, like they don't know I'm Hydra, but I'm going to agree with him because it fits my agenda here. You know that kind of a mm-hmm. thing, um, without actually having to write that in the word bubble, of course, because that would be kind of retarded. <laughs> uh, so the Hydra Cap character, as much fun as it is, um, I think it is probably about time to wrap it up. But it has been a, a really fun run, kind of like um, Superior Spider-Man when Doc Ock was actually in Peter Parker's uh, body. Yeah. Um, similarly fun like the the exact same kind of fun actually because you're just like okay yeah i guess i can get a little bit more on board with that in that in that case um because th- that's another story that's told you know sort of it's a fun thing to read um and it is a little bit like an elseworld elseworld story that is also completely canon so um yeah i guess i'm okay with it i just like i said when we first started talking about them you know uh, uh you know moving cap to hydra and, and yeah, the, this the, isn't the famous, real the hail hydra scene <laughs> we we both were kind of like well that can't stick and secondarily um there's got to be some shenanigans here like yeah. and at the time they were saying oh no he's hydra he definitely is this is the way it's is and was that lasted for two issues yeah and then like 10 seconds later they're like uh not not really not no really. it's psychic manipulation yeah yeah which is i think probably one of our plausible theories as we talked about it the first time yeah but it is fun and so the secret empire uh angle is going to be the end of that it's going to bring it to a head and that comes out here it starts in a month or two so um we'll be probably uh keeping up on the main story we probably won't cover it during the read but once it's wrapped up we'll probably bring it back yeah that sounds good pretty good review on it yeah um the meat and potatoes of the marvel section i think I might need another beer before we talk about this. All right. Well, well, let's let's uh, you know, let's do that now cuz I think we need to buckle up a little for this one. Yeah. Okay. So, uh this week, much to um all of our, you know, salivate, salivating pleasure, uh Marvel released its first official look at Avengers Infinity War. Um they did this in sort of a, you know, quasi, you know, documentary/promotional thingy. Yeah, um, the only the-, the only uh movie type thing we got was like an explanation of the infinity gems yeah we got a little bit of infinity gems and uh they showed off the infinity gauntlet a little bit more which uh comic readers you know what i'm talking about yeah you can see thanos 
put yeah. his hand into it. Yeah, and there's, I don't know, there's a lot of cool things in here. So there's a little bit, of, there's a couple of shots of concept art and stuff like that that look really neat. Um, we get to see something, and when, when I saw it, it wasn't like, oh man, you know, duh. Uh, but the second time I watched this, I was like, you know, I just love that the world we live in right now has, uh, um, you know, Tom Holland, you know, aka Spider Man. Uh, talking with uh, Chris Pratt, who's a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark at the same time. Yeah, we we've seen Peter Parker and Tony Stark on screen at the same time, but yeah. then you interject Star Lord in the mix, and I like the way you put that. You, like you you didn't notice until your second time through. That's because even though they're completely separate entities in the Marvel universe, like they feel like they fit. Like the three of them standing on screen together didn't seem abnormal to me at all, other than I was like. Oh, well, they just confirmed that Spider-Man is going to be Infinity War. Yeah. Which I think there was no doubt about that anyway, but... That that and the whole thing, like, they're, you know, getting the Guardians into the main mix now, too. Um, because um, previously the Guardians were really kind of its own separate thing. Um, more so than any other, you know, property that they've done so far. <laughs> we're getting Guardians 2 first, and it's going to have Hulk in it. and and uh, Or no, I'm sorry, it's not. Thor is going to have Hulk in it, but I do believe that there might be a little bit of a crossover in there. See, that makes sense. Too. So um, if the Guardians are going to come into the MCU, I think the best way to probably do it is to introduce it through Thor. Um, man, I'm thinking we go in dry. No lube. Just the Guardians just, show up and just fucking shove Rocket Raccoon right up somebody's ass and let him pull the trigger. <laughs> that that actually might be the way that they do that after all. You know? Yeah. Um, no, it's just it's fun. It's fun looking at an upcoming Marvel movie. Like, here's the thing, DC. I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> when they announce a new marvel movie like at no point am i like man i really hope they don't fuck that up yeah right. <laughs> I'm, I'm also not like uh you know like watching anxiously you know for script news and rumors and and you know how many directors did we lose this week sort of things like uh that that's they've all got that shit figured out by now it's- guardians guardians is the one that i was just like well i don't really know anything about it and it probably took me the longest to see guardians out of any of the other ones but then i was like well, Jesus Christ, that was a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's like they put out their slate and you're like, oh, that's what I'm getting? Okay, cool. And then you just, yeah, you can go about your life. See, you don't have to worry about it. Even by Guardians, though, for me at least, um, seeing Marvel attached to anything was like, okay, I'm going to go see that. Like, And that's that's the way that it's become now is that Marvel might as well be like the FDA seal of quality or whatever. Yeah. Like FDA approved, uh, um, I guess I shouldn't say quality, but you know, like this is safe. This is going to be fine. Like, uh, and that's the worst I can level against any, you know, criticism of a Marvel movie is that it's fine. Um, there's no movies in there that are just like complete train wrecks that, that like I just absolutely won't watch again. Um, yeah, I think that's correct. And Marvel, if you want to cut us a check, you, you can email us at sponsors at, at whatever whatever.co. Yeah. Um, For reasons like this, Doctor Strange available on digital <laughs> in two days. That's right. Valentine's Day, folks. For yeah, for Valentine's Day, you can get strange with Doctor Strange, and maybe get your woman to get strange with it too. And if you don't do digital, you get it on Blu-ray on the twenty-eighth. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, did we did we just cut a pro, promo for Marvel? I did. Okay, it's fine. Um, <laughs> seriously though, send us a check. Uh, we we don't work for free. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Which is why we don't get paid. People know it. Yeah. Uh, plus, Marvel really needs a push. I mean, I don't really see them. They're just kind of a small, scrappy, upcoming bunch of you know comic book writers and stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
so anyway, when, when I see Marvel in front of anything, basically, at this point, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm on board for that. Like, uh, TV properties, if it says Marvel, uh, yeah, sure, I'll go see it. Um, Legion. Oh, we, did we put Legion in the show notes? No, but we need to. We need to put Legion I don't actually have notes. any TV in here. We need to probably add that. Yeah, okay, so we're going to talk about TV later, too. But um, th- this promo especially it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and like uh, Matt said, there's not really a whole lot in terms of, like, it's not a trailer. Um, you're not really getting a lot of new footage. Um, in fact, I think there's only like a couple of tiny little glimpses in there, but it's more just like, look at what we're getting from Marvel compared to what we're getting from DC. And it becomes a very stark contrast, uh, um, and, and a sad one too, because, you know, as, as huge DC fans over here, um, which is ironic again, because, uh, what, what DC, what books am I caught up on? I don't know, like 19 different DC books, uh, and you know, two Marvel books. So, um, I shouldn't say that that's entirely because of the quality of the Marvel books or anything like that, but, uh, I really want to love DC. Um, please, please let me love you, DC. Just please. We try really hard. There's something that Kevin Feige said, like in the beginning of it, he goes, when we first started this back in 2008 with Iron Man, we panned this out and we said, okay, what can we do? How can we line it up and make things interconnect? And so you look at that and you go, okay, this is working. Now, DC, just do that. Make a fucking plan and execute it. You know, part they, of it... Part they kind of ran at their universe and just kind of went, okay, and I feel like they're just juggling. They don't really know. They don't have a direction that they're going. See, I think there's a couple of things in play here. Number one is that DC came to the realization that um, big, massive universe on screen is kind of one of the things that that's really hitting really well with fans right now. Um, which is kind of obvious when you think about it. I mean, we again, DC, you've been making comic books for some, I don't know, 70 or 80 years now. Uh, you kind of know that this formula works. This is already the bread and butter of the thing. So why why are we, you know, waiting until 2017 before we really get, um, I guess you can count Batman versus Superman. So uh, was that 2016? Yeah, yeah, March. Yeah, March. March. Um, so you can you can say that's the first setup of, of the, um, you know, DC universe proper. But that's fucking, that's eight years after Iron Man, you know? Um, well, and DC has been cock-teasing everybody with a shared universe forever. Like, do you remember Batman Forever when they interviewed uh, or introduced uh, Chris O'Donnell as Robin? Yeah. And, like, he was going to take off from the mansion, like, as soon as Bruce Wayne offered to take him in, he was going to ride his motorcycle out. And, like, Bruce Wayne, like, makes the comment to um, to Dick, he's like, Oh, the circus must be halfway to Gotham by now, or to Metropolis by now. And you're like, they said Metropolis. Yeah. Like, Superman's going to be yeah, in the movie. Like, no. um, it's that whole thing. And, like, they just. Right, right. Yeah. They just. <laughs> they constantly do nothing with it. So, okay. So that's one thing. One thing is they're extremely late to the game if that's the, the way that they're going to go with it. Number two is so far, they're executing it very poorly. Like,. I will give them that Iron Man 2 is a little bit like Batman versus Superman is with the whole hit you over the head, you know, Avengers is coming sort of thing, except for, you know, in this case, it's Justice League, Justice League is coming. Um, but Batman versus Superman even manages to execute it way worse than what I would call probably the worst, worst of the Marvel movies so far, um, which is Iron Man 2. And that's because it was basically a giant commercial for Avengers, which it really didn't need to be. Plus, it has some giant plot holes in it, which didn't need to be Yeah, there. I mean, just... The story need so they need to look at that too. They did like, get one thing out of it, which is I don't like to be handed things. Yeah, they they need to have this yeah. the thing um happen organically. Like they need to tell a story that you know lets the story be the story, not be a commercial for Justice League or for Wonder Woman or something like that. 
And don't get me wrong, we had a fairly gratuitous inclusion of Spider-Man in Civil War, but it totally worked. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of reason for him to be there, but they told it in a way that made sense and was a lot of fun, actually, to watch on screen. Do you know so what, why can't we do that with uh, DC? DC? It almost makes Tom Holland more believable as Spider-Man to me, listening to him in his, in his, in his little smarmy British accent, talking about, I went to see the first Avengers with my mates. Yeah. And I was like... This kid, like he's just a kid, yeah, who wanted to be in this movie, and now he's fucking Spider Man. Like it, that's the most Peter Parker thing about him. Is like I saw that and I was like, man, dreams really do come true. Yeah, for Tom Holland, it, and what are my dreams coming true? That's that's just <laughs> the way that Marvel markets things. Like they're so good at it. They're just like, guess what? We're doing this thing. Here's some people talking about it, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like that's all there is. And don't get me wrong, though, when Tom Holland said that to you, I was like, eh, he's probably being entirely genuine about that because what fucking kid his age doesn't want to grow up and be Spider-Man? Or any, Nobody. Or any yeah. superhero, yeah. for that yeah. matter. Yeah, right, right. Um, it, I, if they cast me a Swamp Thing, I'd be over the moon. And you know? now <laughs> now he gets to do that. I'm looking at you, Fox. Yeah. Come on, Fox. Um, so that Shall we, we wrap up that discussion and talk about our Fox News this week? What do you guys think they're standing on in the set that they're talking on? Uh, an alien planet. Yeah, probably some like Thanos. You know, like in the end of Avengers when you see Thanos, or is it Guardians when you see Thanos again? Yeah, we see we see more Thanos and Guardians. It could be. Uh, I wonder if it's from uh, Age of Ultron where Tony has the vision, and all those bodies are on that hill. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That I'm gonna go see it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's got Marvel in front of it. They've got a track record. Um, it's got Spider-Man, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. Fuck, I'm there. Here's like, the other thing. Even though uh, Age of Ultron, or I'm I'm sorry, uh, Infinity War is not going to be split into parts one and two, the Russo brothers all but confirmed that Avengers 4 is directly tied in with um, Infinity War, regardless of the title. That's yeah, interesting. They talked about it the, the when they talked during that little blurb on the... On the video that they posted. Don't get me wrong, we're nearly 10 years into the whole setup for this Thanos thing. No, that's not true, because Thanos really didn't come along until Avengers in 2011. Um, so, you know, seven years still. That's that's a good long time by the to be time, telling. By the time Infinity War hits, yeah, it'll be seven years. Yeah, uh, and, and eight or nine before the, the culmination, the second, you know, Avengers 4, whatever that's going to be called is. Um, so I wouldn't really be hurt too badly if they, they um, closed off the story after this next one a little bit. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I'd find that really difficult to do. Um, yeah. Even uh, so, I'm I'm not discounting the fact that maybe even uh, Thanos is is a done deal by the end of Infinity War. They can still have Avengers Four be directly connected to it in other ways, lots of ways. Yeah. So there's there's lots of meat and potatoes to work with when you're talking a shared universe. Yeah, especially one with the huge. I mean, either of these companies, I think, have huge amounts of of material they can draw from. But Marvel's is just ultra rich at this point. Yeah, they've they've planted the right seeds in all the right places. So right, and that that's the other thing. Um, so when we're comparing DC to Marvel, that's the other thing that I see a little bit is that Marvel planted seeds, and DC just seems to be tr- trying to you know uh, gently but vigorously hit me in the face with a fucking tree. DC is almost doing everything wrong to spite marvel like it 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 really it it is a lot like cutting off the arm to spite the hand like it just it doesn't make any sense the way that they're approaching their shared universe i I think it's a little bit like um they just it's it's a me too thing like at this point they're just like whoa you know what eight years have gone by and marvel's sort of eating our lunch at the box office what the fuck are we doing over here look at comic books like 
they both write superhero comic books. Yeah. Who cares? Like, so Marvel did this first. Does it matter? Because there's always going to be a contingent of people that are diehard DC, you know, yeah, standbys. And they're not going to watch the Marvel movies over the DC movies just because of the way that they chose to approach their shared universe. Like, if you did everything the exact same way that Marvel did, you would be successful. And it's and it's because you have those diehard fans that are like, you know what? Fuck Marvel. I like DC. You know, I, I don't even know if that's true because I think the thing is when it comes to the, the cinematic universe especially... I think, you know, whichever side of the fence you're on, DC versus Marvel, and, you know, especially when you're talking about comic books, I don't really think that factors much. I think people these days, probably, you're not a Marvel fan or a DC fan so much as you're a fan of this this genre. So, like, for me especially, you know, even though I've kind of clearly drawn the line in the sand for my comic reading currently as, you know, being very heavily DC slanted, um, I'm going to go see pretty much whatever of these just sort of superhero movies come out like if if vertigo manages to get something made i'm gonna go see that you know um yeah uh, i think vertigo is owned by dc though isn't it? they are yeah um the one i'm thinking of is idw uh, there's uh idw dark and dark horse or you know any any of those other boom you know, publishers um but anyway i think that's the thing like they don't, dc doesn't even necessarily need to worry about um this whole shared universe thing probably as much as it is. Don't get me wrong. I totally want to see that. Um, but DC needs to worry first and foremost about making good movies. Um, they need to, they need to bring in people who like script writers, screenplay writers and directors who are going to actually do their characters justice. Zack Snyder thus far has not really done that with the characters that we've seen. The only movie that I think would have been actually okay for him to direct would have been a Batman movie because of the dark brooding style that he likes to bring into things and that that's okay to do with batman for this universe that's the only place that the, the style that we've gotten so far made sense but you can't do it with superman superman is not a dark brooding character he just isn't right and that's another no, you know one of those misunderstanding the characters like they're only solid film man of so steel far. even though he was still very brooding and a bum <laughs> like everything he else. was i'm like, not i'm not don't get me wrong i don't like man of steel as a movie like i there's actually very few parts of that movie that I don't like, but it but, doesn't present Superman in the bright, shining costume that Superman is meant to be. That, that's the thing. That movie's not garbage. It's it's probably a solid 6 out of 10, but there's not much that really needs to change about that movie to turn it into an 8 or a 9 out of 10. His interactions with Lois should be a little bit less poor me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and his costume should be brighter, and that brings it from a 6 to an 8.5 to 9. Like, just those two things would elevate it. Yeah, they just need to make clear what's really super about Superman, and one of those things is just his moral character and judgment, and that didn't really shine through in Man of Steel at all, and that's probably one of my biggest digs on the movie. Color notwithstanding, color is another big problem in the I movie. don't even shit on it about the destruction that they did uh, to the town around them, because Superman was barely even conscious. I mean, he knew his, of, about his powers, but, like, that's only just. You know what I mean? Like, that was kind of his, his testing ground. Right, and is, we talked about this millions of times at this point, and and I said, you know, when Man of Steel was coming out, if they don't address the destruction of Metropolis in the next movie, I'll be pissed off. Um, they totally did, though. Yeah. The the problem is that they they didn't address it the way that I was hoping they would, which would be for him to learn from that mistake, grow, realize that you know he's gonna again turn into the Superman that we know and love, which is you know sort of what Rebirth is doing to the New Fifty Two, um, and that's what DC needs to realize. There's a reason why Rebirth is kind of a runaway hit at this point, and most of it is because they're letting their characters be their characters again. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some um, Firefly reboot. Um, yeah. So this is interesting. Fox has been dangling this over the last week and a half or so that they are totally open to uh, a new Firefly series on the contingency that Joss Whedon himself helms everything. Which I uh, gotta say at this point is probably a far fucking f- uh, shot to the moon because because um, he makes Avengers money. He makes Avengers money. Okay, first off, I I think that Joss is probably the type of guy who, for a passion project um, like Firefly was, uh, to basically everybody involved for it uh, or with it, um, I think he's the type of guy that would go back and make it happen, except for Fox. Um, Fox has so royally screwed Joss Whedon on multiple occasions now that I think at this point there's just no fucking way he's going to work with him anymore. He has no financial incentive to work with him anymore. Even if he said, here's a truckload of money, come eat our shit for a little while again. Um, he's got so much money already, he doesn't have to say yes. Here's here's the thing about the relationship between Joss Whedon and Fox, and, and this is what you have to understand. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer originally premiered on UPN. Then uh, the CW was formed, I think, midway through the Buffy run or whatever, and that's where it stayed. Angel, however, ended up on a Fox uh, network, on the Fox network. Angel yeah. was canceled after season five with almost no warning. Right. So it got five seasons. If you watch the series through, like, it doesn't really make sense how it ends even because they were not expecting to not come back. Yeah, Firefly is also, like, probably the preeminent story in how do you fuck up a property. Firefly, um, that's my next example. Like, it was it was such a great show, but, like, they aired it on the worst possible night and preempted it for fucking everything. And they didn't air the episodes in the correct order either. Yeah, they didn't air the episodes in the correct order, so there was meddling in that case. They uh, preempted it with baseball lots of time. I think around the time that they were airing it, the World Series was going on. And so, you know, rather than move this fledgling show, which nobody's invested in yet, to a night where it'll actually work, they just had it coming on at random times and nobody knew when to watch it. Um, Fox has gotten smarter about the shows lately. They don't even do new shows now until after the, the World Series is over. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, we're talking 2002 here, folks. Um, so it's not like today where we just DVR everything anyway, and it's not really a big deal. Um, but in 2002, you kind of actually had to get your ass in the seat to see the show. Yeah. And, and uh, if you didn't really know when the show was going to be on, it wasn't very likely that that was going to happen. Um, if you watched Firefly on Fox, you even only got 12 episodes, and there was actually 14 that were that were made. Like, the only way you got to see the other two episodes were to buy the series on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. So, um you know the most famous or the the best way i can describe fox's failure to market or or you know uh, really give this show the attention it deserved is it went on to make a movie after being canceled after only airing 12 episodes 12 episodes went on to make a movie um in 2005 i think serenity of course that actually did pretty well um yeah. they made it on a shoestring budget because at this point nobody thought it would really work but there was enough of a um uh, fan fan craving for it that it worked really well um and then it did you know jillions of dollars in dvd sales at this point so and that leads me to my next point and that is uh and spoilers so wash alan tudyk's character died yeah. in serenity so in order for them to, to to reboot the show, not maybe not reboot, but to bring back the show with the original cast, um, you're going to have to write Wash back in. And that's probably not going to happen because Joss Whedon is pretty much a hard case against when, when they're dead, they're done. Yeah. I mean, he's done it in the past and brought people back, but like there's always been kind of an out to it. See, I think there are other contrivances they could go with that to make it work out like. One of the things that I've thought for a while now is they 
there there is an indeterminate amount of time spent between the last episode of Firefly and Serenity. Um, they could contain the whole show in that indeterminate amount of time, and it would be fine. Um, there's a lot of other ways that I, you know, they they could also just just ignore Serenity. Yeah, um, that'd be a little sad, but you know, they they could do that. I think and continue the show. I don't know that they could, but I think one of the things that they're talking about now too is recasting. They did mention that, and that would be, I don't know. See, I don't think the show's going to work nearly as well if they recast. No, because Kaylee was Kaylee because of Jewel State. And because Mal at, was Mal because At this point, the, the show Fillion. has got such a cult following. Um, and as much as I fucking hate uh, Stephen Baldwin, or not Stephen Baldwin, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, like... He's, he's Jane. Jane was Jane because of Adam Baldwin. Yeah. You know, like, recasting those characters would be, uh, I think detrimental to the the success of the series in general uh i don't know this is going to happen the rest of the cast has kind of gotten a lot more lukewarm over the last couple of years about a reunion at this point because it's the question that every fucking fan that meets them wants to know don't don't get me wrong uh, there's a few people on there that i think no question they'd be back in a heartbeat Fillion, i think Fillion would do it Fillion would do it in a second so so a two. jewel state probably jewel state would probably do it um not so sure on Morena back around. She's kind of got other things going on. Uh, yeah. She's in Gotham. She's kind of a movie star in Deadpool. Now. Yeah, you know. Um, it, Gina Torres, I think, is off doing other stuff now for the most part. I think they could get her back. They could probably get Gina Torres back. Um, yeah, Summer else? Glau is is kind of one of the ones that I'm not so sure because she's had quite a bit of success doing other stuff. Yeah, I don't know what she's up to lately. I don't know what she's up to lately, but I know that she was a fucking Terminator and she was badass at it. Yeah. Anyway, the short of it is, uh, I think that we've unfortunately missed the boat on this one. Like, uh, Foxy screwed us, and we're never going to forget. And neither's Joss Whedon, probably. Yeah. 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 Fillion, here's the other thing about Fillion, too, is, like, he doesn't have to. Like, he made Castle for 50 years and has, you know, all those residuals that he's going to, he could live off of those for the rest of his life. I mean, Phil- Fillion's done lots of things at this point. I, the guy's not hurting for money. Sure, he's not, like, he's he's not, like, uh, Reebok money rich, but he's got some change. Fillion's yeah fucking amazing in fact i listened to a podcast that uh interviewed him the nerdist podcast if anybody's interested yeah um they had all of the hosts they had matt Meyer and jonah ray as well as uh chris hardwick interviewing him and they actually pitched a great idea which was reboot quantum leap with nathan fillion in the lead role yes <laughs> do right <it. laughs> right and and it, it was awesome because they were talking about you know who they could get to play al because you know dean stockwell played al and for some yeah. ungodly reason nobody knows why he was a ladies man even though he was fucking dean stockwell yeah <laughs> and they were like no it's not al this time it's allison you recast that with a female in that role and the sky's the limit like i want to see this show i i he, you know this is another thing like uh i'm such a firefly f- fanboy that at this point like anything with nathan fillion attached to it uh, like i'll go see secondarily like i shouldn't say just say firefly like i'm a huge fan of nathan nathan fillion um he's gonna he, be in guardians too he seems like a stand-up guy he's gonna be in guardians too every other project like don't get me wrong castle's not really right up my alley as far as shows go but it's good i mean or at least i watched you know four seasons i mean of it, it's, it's not my good. type of show but he's he's a great actor and does really well at that role 
yeah him playing a father figure to his daughter and that show is pretty oh a, a show that we're not going to talk about because i've only watched a few episodes of it and you might not have watched it at all santa clarita diet it's new on netflix yeah i've not uh, watched it yet is drew, that drew barrymore yeah drew yeah. barrymore uh she's a vampire she's a zombie a zombie um, okay. she's essentially a zombie um sort of um you know she's fully functional as in she she's not undead but she definitely craves human flesh um it's super funny show and Nathan Fillion shows up in the first episode and he's great. So I'll probably check it out. I I've been meaning to, it's just, I watch a lot of TV and it's, it's, hard it's to... a sitcom. It's only like uh 25 uh, ish minutes, you know, per episode it's Netflix. So they're not really set in stone, like, like sitcoms on TV are, but um, it's super funny. The, the first episode's a little rocky, but I think we've watched three or four now, uh, me and the wife and it's super funny by episode four like lots of lots of you know funny little subtle humor like not quite a rest of development level of subtle but um really good gotcha yeah all right so that's a segue any anyway um so yeah firefly reboot uh i don't not, see it happening i don't i don't i don't it's not unwelcome you know there's a lot of things that have okay, to go if right they for recast me. it it's unwelcome yeah, that, I don't, that's what I don't I'm want saying. that. There's but, a lot of things that have to go right for this to for me to be like on board fully with it. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm again, I'm a sucker for this. I, I'm I'm the you know the dog who's been beaten who still loves you anyway. Uh, I am it, a brown coat. Yeah, if if they come out with Firefly branded anything, I'm probably on board. Uh, or at least I'll go see it. I just don't know that I'm gonna like it, and I'm definitely gonna go in with a lot more trepidation. You know, if if you know, say Joss Whedon doesn't come back, and if they don't get the whole original cast back, and you know, etc. and so on. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, let's talk about Dumbo. I don't see why we shouldn't. <laughs> um, as you know, since we regularly follow Disney properties um, on the show, it's not even a lie. Marvel, Lucasfilm, Disney properties. Um, Dumbo, of course, is right up our alley. Live action Dumbo, mind you. Live action Dumbo, which I know you probably just threw something at your podcast player of choice right now. I'm sorry, but this is a thing that apparently exists. Here's yeah, here's the thing. Um, I don't think we need a live action Dumbo. In fact, I don't even think we need a new animated Dumbo. I think Dumbo is probably Dumbo. I think is we Dumbo. said all we needed to say. Just yeah, let's just yeah. Dumbo. I didn't um, even know this was a thing. Uh, but uh, so it was long rumored that Will Smith was actually going to be in it. He was going to be the father of the child that befriends the large-eared elephant. Yeah, you remember the like, child, the the kid that really is a friend of Dumbo, and it's not a Dumbo centric story as much as oh no 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 that's that's a new thing. Yeah, so that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was going to be at the cost of Bad Boys Four. Yeah, and apparently talks broke down this last week between Disney and uh, Will Smith um, when Disney was like, "So we want you to be in Dumbo," and he's like, "What the fuck? You saying something about my ears?" And that was it. <laughs> I think actually, um, you know, th- there was a little bit of uh, heat over that, but they managed to get past it. And then Will said, "So uh, Jaden's going to play Dumbo, right?" And they were like, uh, "Never mind, we'll pass." Willow? Yeah, Will- well, Willow. Well, Willow can play it, right? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. sorry, Will. No. Um, I didn't mean to make fun of your ears either, but uh, low hanging fruit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Will Will's heard a lot of ear jokes over his time. I think that was actually a joke back in the Fresh Prince days. So. But here's here's the deal. Will Smith in Dumbo versus Will Smith in Bad Boys. I'll take Bad Boys any day. I'll yes. take Bad Boys yeah. like number 10 over a fucking live action Dumbo movie. It's not even a question. Like, like Bad Boys straight is to a- DVD, whatever. I don't give a shit. Bad Boys is a fun franchise, if nothing else, because I think that's one of the few continuations of like the 90s style of... Martin! Oh yeah. Well, I was gonna say the '90s style of action movie, but I'm Damn, also glad to Gina. see Martin Lawrence is oh. still alive and working. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm waiting for your shenane. I was I was ch- I don't have a shenane. I was channeling my inner Martin though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wanda shenane. Did we just lose all the millennials? They're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, both of them. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Breaking hearts. No Will Smith and Dumbo. Yeah. We're gonna talk about some TV, but can uh, we not just do the Dumbo movie? Is that is that possible? Like disney like okay I that fell so. through okay they also so, want tom hanks as the villain and like he's not agreed to do it yet either so if you can't get tom hanks on board probably just don't need to make the movie all right so before i i nay say dumbo i will say there's been a couple of different adaptations or um you know continuations of like say cinderella which is another you know classic disney animated movie from the early days and i didn't hate those so, so i didn't um, watch cinderella my kids my kids have watched it I didn't, well okay i, didn't I haven't seen the newest one but like uh what was the other one that it did? Maybe Ella Enchanted. Maleficent. Maleficent wasn't bad. It wasn't. I, I great. didn't mind that one. That was a little. That was a little. That got a little that too was, into like the CG happy land. That of, was like, prequel slash uh, Sleeping Beauty from Maleficent's point of view, yeah. which I actually thought was pretty decent. I yeah. thought it was an interesting take on it. Yeah, yeah. seeing it her from her perspective, how she got betrayed and. And then they did a live action Jungle Book, and that was that directed was by Favreau, amazing. and that one was actually really good. I like that. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one. Um, it's it's oh, decent. Like you should I watch it with your kids. Though. It's, it's definitely it's definitely a good flick. The counter argument to this, I think, though, is like the Pan movie um, that recently came out that that was dog shit. Yeah, basically. So like there is a, there is a possibility that you're going to take a beloved property and really screw it hard. Um, Natalie's four, and she thought that movie was dog shit. So well, we do have Beauty and the Beast coming out this month, I uh, which I'm all for this because you could put Emma Watson in anything and I would watch it. Yeah, or nothing. Well, that in the cast Wink. is insane. <laughs> We're sorry, Emma. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. The, the, the These are really sort of crapshoots as well, because as much as I would like to think that DC is totally going to nail these properties, which I consider their bread and butter, like uh, of the characters, like as many things as DC's done over the years, I'd say Dumbo is probably up there as far as like what I consider mm-hmm. like the quintessential Disney property. Marvel and Disney. You said Did DC. It? Did I? Yeah. Damn. yeah. Disney. Disney. Sorry. Disney, specifically. Disney. Uh, of the properties that are, you know, Do you see Peach Dragon? No. We Me neither. Ha- I have that. I have that. Um, and we plan to watch it, but my kids have the attention span of, like, uh, a goldfish. <laughs> if Peach Dragon didn't do well, I don't think Dumbo will. That's kind of my thing. Dumbo is a more well-known property, but the story is essentially the same. Uh, yeah <laughs> sort of um i i could see it falling into that same sort of trap though like make I, dumbo breathe fire and you got a deal like the thing that works about dumbo is number one it's a product of its time um number two um they don't try to get like none of these older properties do they really try to go too deep down the rabbit hole as far as like backstory and all that kind of stuff like that's one of my actually quasi digs against something like maleficent is they really try to flesh out a story that doesn't exist um yeah, and so sometimes that works okay, and sometimes that really fails hard. So, um, does that story really not exist though, or do is it just like fall victim to uh, the winner gets to write the history books? It it could be both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not advocating for things like that, but it it definitely like there's there's two sides to every story, and we only ever see one side in the Disney movies, which is why I thought Maleficent was kind of a a brave step on their behalf. It wasn't bad. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the movie, but um, you know, the whole thing is, 
I don't know. Pete's Dragon is probably the better example of that. Like the, the whole changing the backstories and things like that that make it a completely. I never different watched thing. Pete's Dragon, so I don't know. I've only watched the first twenty minutes of it, um, or something like that. Uh, I never liked the first one that much, though. So I was just like, eh, what the fuck." It wasn't care. bad, but you know, again, that that was another sort of interesting thing. Is one of the the things about the original uh, Pete's Dragon was that um, it was kind of an interesting movie to make because it was live action with a cartoon. Uh, um, uh, sort of you know superimposed working with it sort of thing and this one's not it's it's just another you know like augmented by cg movie it's mostly real you know or meant to be you know entirely real and if you see cg i'm sorry you know it's just not as good as it should have been yeah um so anyway i i just i don't know the 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 remaking something like dumbo is just like i just i can't believe that there's a lot of story to tell and so I, my my um you know, percentage of chance of failure on this, or you know, my estimated percentage of chance of failure is pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be good. I think Will Smith probably made the right decision on this one. Yeah, he did pass on being Neo in the Matrix, though. So we'll see. It's okay. I like Keanu. Yeah, so do I. Well, I mean, does it really matter after the first one anyway? Well, yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dude. we'll be back in just a second to talk some TV, but I gotta get another beer. Beer schedules are all off, man. Yep. And then messed it up. We got water drinker over here. Oh yeah, because six a.m. Well, five a.m. is the thing. Oh, I'm certainly gonna take advantage of this opportunity to do more all this Thank <laughs> you. 
He really does have a way with words, doesn't he? I like that guy. He's sort of a uh, master wordsmith, if you will. Manages to distill these complex con, uh, uh, you know, ideas. I wonder how much fun he had making that little video. Probably a lot, because he got to get drunk. I was That's just going to say, he didn't have one. He's like, I need to taste this, and let's get the thoughts right. Oh, take two. Let's try that again. Do it again. No, I'll finish this one. He doesn't seem like he's going to do the spit takes on this. This is a tasty drink, and I'm going to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, it, so now it's canon. Uh, JD can't get made fun of for Apple Teenies anymore. If Stone Cold Steve Austin says it's okay to drink Apple Teenies, it's good. You're good. Yeah, I think I think we're all right. Yeah. And right. we're back. We got some TV news. Um, and so fresh beers. Fresh beers. Uh, this, and water. This, this is solid. Um, Bailey's drinking water. He's yeah. got to work early. He had some beer earlier in the night. It's okay. He's allowed. Yeah. Uh, we approve. Um, so let's talk Supergirl. Did you watch it? I did, but before we talk the actual episode, let's talk about something we talked about a week ago, which okay. is we get Terry Hatcher coming to the show, right? And we I made do. a comment and I said, man, I really hope she's in the episodes that Kevin Sorbo's in, right? Yeah. So don't, 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 don't twist my heart like this. Not just... only was I right, but Kevin Smith is directing one of those episodes. Oh, yes. So we get a Kevin Smith-directed episode of Supergirl coming up in the near future featuring Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo. Is there a Kevin Sorbo version of the opposite of disappointed? Delighted? Yeah, delighted. I'm going to say delighted. I could say, yeah, I, I could see Sorbo saying that. Delighted? Delighted. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Uh. So that that's, that's good news. I'm excited about that. And um, this show really has gotten off to a way better well it's not even off to a start anymore this show is way better this season than i would have given it credit for at the beginning of last season yeah it's fun to watch it is fun to watch um Um, this episode uh this week was very martian centric it was um so the short story is um as you've seen in previous episodes and we might have probably even talked on the show is uh john john jones as in the martian manhunter green martian from you know, Mars, Mars uh, has befriended another Martian on the planet. Her name is Megan. Um, or Miss Martian, if you prefer. Miss Martian, if he you prefer. He actually uses that name in this episode. He does. Uh, and it's really, it's really sweet. It was adorable. Uh, so anyway, um, he befriends Megan uh, in previous episodes. Only to find out that she is, in fact, a white Martian. A white Martian. But she's a good white Martian. Yeah, so this is a little different because in the other episodes or in in other continuities, I think she's like a cousin of Jean Jones, something like that. Yeah, and you know she's obviously a green. Um, 
So uh, this is a little different take on that, which actually is working on so so far uh, pretty well. So um, the White Martians being bad because you know they tried to eradicate the Green Martians and pretty much succeeded. Did. Yeah, they 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 did basically. Um, so um, again, is the only one basically fighting for the Green Martians on the White side, as far as they know. Um, and uh, John at this point doesn't really realize that her heart's in the right place, and so he's pretty pissed off at her just in general. Yeah, um, not so much in this episode. He he let her free in the last episode. Because he realized yeah. that he was a dick. Yeah, he's um, like, no, that's not right. I was being racist. Yeah, and uh, this is fun. Her ex-husband comes back, um, along with another white Martian, to try and bring her back to basically stand trial for her crimes against the white Martians and siding with the green Martians. Uh, one of the things that I really liked about this episode is we got to see Wynn as a bad guy. <laughs> that was fun. And yeah. That was fun. Um we got to see Kyler Lee, um, a.k.a. Alex Danvers, as a bad guy as well for a, a few minutes. Also fun. Also fun. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really poignant about this, too, is that as opposed to taking the form of a white Martian to fight the other white Martians, she chose, Miss Martian, again, chose to uh, take the form of a green Martian yeah. to fight. And I thought that was really, really pointed. Um I was wondering about that because uh, what's not entirely clear to me, because obviously John Jones, when he's in his human form in the show, has more power than a human would. Like, it's not like he has to change, you know, like into his natural form to be able to, you know, punch hard or something like that. So I was right. wondering if, you know, that, that that's purely symbolic or if she actually took the power level hit there. Because in the portrayal in this show, the white Martians are, you know, like... They're a bit stronger than the Greens. They're much stronger Physically than the Greens. More they're like three times the size uh, of a Green. Uh, like these guys have got to be literally twenty something feet tall. Yeah, I don't um, know. So I'm, I was I was a little curious about that, and it came across that way. But it could just be the whole male versus female. Like uh, I don't know. Presuming Martian physiology is the is the same. Uh, the average man is probably stronger than the average woman. Uh, sorry, that's not feminism. That's or you know that's not anti-feminism. That is you know, reality. Uh, um, so I was wondering if that was what was going on there or if that was just like a, you know, she took the power hit because the symbol, uh, symbolism was so important to her. Either way, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I, th- I, th- no, I, I thought it was, was a good I thought it was a good episode. Um, I forget his name who plays, uh, John Jones. So do I, but he's badass. Yeah, uh, I like him too. he saves the CW a lot of money in the words of Kevin Smith in the fact that he portrays the Martian Manhunter very well in his human form without having to have the CGI. All yeah. the time. Um, that is sometimes a little bit annoying because you can see there are places where he should be um, in his, you know, Martian form, but it's too expensive because they use a ton of CGI to do that. And they do a really good job with it when they do do it. So it's kind of one of those, okay, we'll we'll allow it. Yeah, sort of things. Um, no, um, overall, really good episode. And I'm excited about it. We are, I think, at least three weeks out from the musical episodes totally looking forward to by the way i never thought i'd say that but i am yeah no i we're at least three weeks out from that because uh uh talking about the flash we're going to talk about the flash a little bit and then we'll explain why we're at least three weeks out from the uh musical episode for sure so the flash this week flash this week was a lot of fun um so as the flash always is did you watch this week uh if it's the one i'm thinking of i did okay let's hope <laughs> yeah. Super not. Otherwise, we're going to spoil the shit out of it for you. Yeah. That's fine. Um, okay. This episode is the one where uh, Barry's sort of training Wally. Yeah. 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 Actually, that's that's the the crux of it. I think, um, or one of the main parts. Um, so, who's uh, our villain this week? 
Isn't it? Is it the one where he's trying to like vibrate through the walls? Or yes. To... Yeah, that was okay. fun. Yep. Um, yep. This isn't the. Who is the villain this week? It's the guy that corrodes everything. Like he's oh, the yeah. corrosive yeah. man or whatever yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's actually the corrosive man, but that's what happens. I, I don't think they gave him what a his name. name was. I don't think Cisco dropped the ball. I think. Damn it, Cisco. Um, yeah. So the short of it is, there's a bad guy that's come from basically Flashpoint. Um, he he remembers everything from Flashpoint, and so he's pissed off at a lot of people who are he's basically killing some cops. Yeah, he's killing cops or killing people who were cops in the Flashpoint universe. Yeah. Um, his power is basically he touches you. And you corrode into dust slowly and painfully. Um, Sometimes faster than others because Iris got hit and all of a sudden plot force and, you know, she was fine for like days or whatever. Well, I mean, they did use Killer Frost to offset that, which this was a really good Caitlin Snow episode. And I love that. Also a really good Tom Felton episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Draco Malfoy is killing it in The Flash, guys. I, I, you know, I actually really like him as not draco malfoy because he's definitely not in any anymore like i like how they've managed to t- do the obvious thing which was have him be alchemy um and then turn it into something that's actually really cool for the show so uh they should keep that up because that's fun yeah um, no i i wouldn't surprise me if he stuck around as a series regular for longer than the season even though i think originally the season was kind of the plan I, I suspect it could or probably still is, you know, in much the same way that um, Eddie Thon was only around for a season and, uh, you know, um, Jay Garrick, not Jay Garrick. Was... Julian. Julian's a lot of fun. Like yeah. I, a lot more than I originally anticipated that he would be uh, because he was kind of dickish in the first few episodes, especially his interactions with Barry. And he still is kind of dickish, but they're doing it in a more playful way. He's got a heart of gold, though, and, so it's fine. And his relationship with Caitlin is is really solid as far as, like, they seem to kind of have one another's number. A little bit, yeah. And, and I'm not talking telephone number. Like, yeah. I also they, like... They call each other on their bullshit, and it's it, it's pretty fun. I like how at the end, she's kind of like, do you want to go out? And he's like... Oh, you, uh, mean, you mean right now? With me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was really funny. Um, and then I was like, oh, man, poor Draco's gonna die. <laughs> Because Caitlin's boyfriends don't live. No. Um, she she might as well Avada Kedavra him right there because yeah. yeah, he's he's done for. Yeah. 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 yeah throwing sad. all the Harry Potter references in. Just just put on the red shirt right now, Julian. Yep. Your yep. your your toes. No. I'm really liking the Flash this year. Um, there's a couple things, um, and I think Ryan could probably speak to this too. There's a couple things that they drag out longer than they need to which does get a little bit tiring sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, this is one of the things we praised, especially in season one, that they didn't drag out forever. Like in season one, we were saying how it's so wonderful that they didn't wait to tell Joe for the next, like, you know, 14 fucking episodes or something like that. And then they did do something like that this season, which was, you know, stretching out, telling him about Iris for you know well, two or three episodes. And just yeah. the whole Iris West, uh, and Barry Allen relationship that they could have stretched out for a lot longer. They didn't like yeah. Smallville, I think is what comes to mind when it comes to the, will they, won't they with Lana for the longest time. And then like the second half of the series was the, will they, won't they with Lois. Yeah. And every five minutes, Lana got concussed and forgot who Clark was. <laughs> and like, seriously, that, that girl's taking more headshots than, she's, than, than like, a, they probably need to Triple examine H. her brain. It's yeah, probably. Like, she's probably concussion. She's suit. she's gonna see the WWE now too. Probably, <laughs> probably already on the class action suit. Yeah. Um, um, 
we're but, gonna talk about wrestling later so i'm just i'm pulling all those references now too but yeah no there there's there's a little bit more dragging out of things that i think don't need to be drug out and there's this the year. whole barry allen being slower than kid flash and i don't mind that it see i like that because that's continuity like uh it is but they should have he he barry already knew that he was faster wally was wally the original wally in the comic books was faster than barry was that's what's interesting here is I'm wondering what they're going to do in that direction because um, this Wally West is not the Wally West that it is the original Kid Flash. Um, it, of course, this Wally West is the original Kid Flash in this particular continuity. So I'm wondering if they're going to parallel more, you know, um, I'm going to call him Red Wally. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to parallel that a little bit more, which it seems like they're doing um, with, you know, making him faster and especially you know growing him faster because that was sort of wally's thing too like wally is probably matt's gonna probably yell at me because i'm probably wrong for some reason but i would say wally's probably the fastest speedster i think i think so or at um, least the fastest flash and the wally flashes. wally has different powers than barry does like yeah um wally prime i'm gonna say yeah i don't like fair. i don't like red wally i like wally prime <laughs> um wally could vibrate though that was definitely something that could happen. Although I don't think either one of the Allens actually, or Wally West or Barry Allen did that first. I think that was actually a Bart Allen thing who was Impulse. I don't remember. One of the things but, I read in the comment thread was that um, Barry's vibrating things. And we actually saw this in a Flash like Rebirth issue not too long ago where Barry vibrated a whole plane through a bridge or something like that. Which he did on the train this week. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he train. did on the train this week, which was fun. Um, but they were saying, you know, that is something that's sort of become quintessentially Barry. Um which is this whole using, you know, vibration and, and vibrating, uh, whereas Wally's, you know, has sort of a slightly different power set for a speedster. Wally Prime, before they put him on the shelf for a long time, yeah, he and Linda Park had kids, and his kids were attuned to the Speed Force, and that was one of the things that was a new power that Wally had exclusively on his own, is that he could actually tether to his kids, no matter what, no yeah. matter where they were in relation to any, any anything else, and bring them with him through the the speed force and whatever nice um so i i think he is faster than barry i i don't i don't have any problem saying that he's faster than barry anyway and i don't think they're gonna do the two wally thing on the tv show like they're doing in the comic books right now and the comic books is completely 100 percent understandable and it's fine i i actually like it i think that's a little bit of a product of the time that it came out like if if uh the flash tv show had come out um uh post rebirth i think it's much more likely we'd have gotten uh wally prime um, or some, you know, version of Wally Prime. And, you know, maybe still. And l Let's say the show runs for 10 seasons. We're probably getting Wally Prime in there somewhere. I honestly um, like this Wally, though, a lot in the TV show. Number one, I didn't know that this kid is Australian. I didn't either. He no, absolutely no. is. I heard him talk, and I was like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Um, he does a really good job. Yeah. Uh, at first, I thought he was, like, a little bit effeminate. And then I realized that it's, it's actually probably just him being <laughs> Australian and, and doing an American accent. The same thing happens with Jax Teller. Yeah. So from Sons of Anarchy. Um, Maybe that's it, it. Charlie Hunnam. I wonder if that's like when you're going to school, you know, you're going to acting school and they're like, okay, you need to adopt an American accent. And they're like, okay, how do we do that? Well, the first thing you need to do is sound a little bit more feminine. Yeah, maybe. Says something about Americans. Just saying. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Just there's a lot of different pieces to it. But um, ultimately, I, 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 the Caitlin, the Caitlin Snow thing. I, uh, and Julian, I really like the growth kind of worth for Caitlin there. Gold. Um, so they they set up the thing where Iris is you know getting the corruption thing going through her, and the only way to slow it down is by using cold. 
And even though they're in this, you know, gigantic science lab, um, uh, uh, they could probably do this in a different way. They decided that Caitlin needs to use her powers, even though she's going to go insane and murder everybody. Um, but you know, there's kind of this discussion between her and her and Julian, um, where he talks her back from going all killer frost. Yeah. Which was super cool. So, yeah, no, it's, it's one of the more touching moments that we've seen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a good episode. Check it out. If you didn't DVR, it's probably still on demand for a little, a little while. Yeah. Are you caught up on Legends? I am. Awesome. Are you so, caught up on Legends? No. He's still I like season one, I think. I am. I'm almost, yeah, I need to finish it. So this episode was fun. Yeah, we say that a lot about Legends because that's really, I think, the quintessential definition. But in this episode, uh, Rip Hunter has come back. And he's no longer Director Rip from the 70s, who's an American. He's Rip Hunter again, except for he's Evil Rip Hunter. Which is fun. Yeah, it's kind of It's cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, so Evil Rip Hunter um, goes back to 1776 on Christmas morning and kills George Washington. Um, Was it 70, 70? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, and we could see um, Sarah die again <laughs> yeah she's like this I, poor I, kid dies a lot yeah she's i did that already it wasn't really fun um so sarah dies again uh steel citizen steel nathan what's his face yeah that's his name nathan librarian Hale. librarian um and amaya the uh totally vixen. do it they totally do it doing it rules and then she shuts him down she's just like uh, you know, you know how you were explaining Tinder to me five seconds ago and like yeah. hookups and stuff like that. That was a She's hookup. Like, that was a hookup. Don't yeah. get don't get attached. Swipe left. Swipe left. Yeah. But um, then but then he gave her a really cute gift at the end. Yeah. Uh. So that's kind of fun too. Um. Yeah. I no. Didn't I realize how hot she was until this episode either. I was like, man. She's a lot better looking than I thought she was at first. Because I think it's one of the first times she's not in like the weird vixen suit. Could be. So I, I don't know. Um, again, we're, we're male, so it's hard to avoid, but she's hot. She is. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with being hot. No, <laughs> we're okay with it. Um, I, w- I wish I was, uh, we could be feminists and still like hot chicks. It's fine. I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. Um, also the, uh, you know, I, I guess we should go back to rip for a second cause that whole thing is interesting and I don't know where they're going with that at all. Like why is rip evil now? Why does he have his well, they memories explained back, it a little evil. bit in the last episode where uh, 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 Thon was like, yeah, we can we can put his memories back in his head, but what's the fun in that when we could fuck around with him first? Oh, yeah, that's a good so, point. They, they did. They, so they went all Hydra Cap on him. Yeah. Okay, well, this, this is probably a, a thing that's going to work itself out by the next episode, too. Then. Yeah, I, I assume, I don't know about the next episode, but at least soon. Yeah, we actually don't get another Legends until February. No, maybe. I think we have a, a week or two off from Legends. Interesting. I have no idea. We do. Yeah, I, I remember that there was there was a, a definite gap when they were like advertising the next one. I think it's February twenty first or some shit. Okay. Yeah, so, that's probably right. Um, and there are fewer episodes of that show than there are the the other three, so it it stands expect for gaps. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested, in, or interested. I should go look it up at some point. Um, I'm wondering how they're doing in the Tuesday time slot right after the Flash. Um, I have to think that that's boosting them a little bit. You know, you think being on at nine boosts them? I think so because I think at eight, like 
I think for people who don't know that Legends exists and what it is, I think that there's probably a lot of people missing. Having it, it right after Flash probably helps for that. I, that's what I'm saying. Like if you want to, if you want to give something some juice, uh, sticking it right after one of your most popular properties is probably the way to go. What really weirds me out is Supernatural being on at eight o'clock now. Yeah, that's been a nine o'clock show for a really long time. Like for the longest time, it was on after Smallville, mm-hmm. and then they moved it to eight o'clock just this year. Um, they put it on Thursdays at eight. For Riverdale, so that they can put River, Riverdale in the 9 o'clock slot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. For me, that's a... Well, like, it's been on Netflix for a long time now. So, it's on whenever I want it to be on. Well, but I mean, the new new episodes obviously aren't, though. Yeah, like, yeah, if, you're, if you're keeping caught up on the show, which I kind of am. I'm about five episodes behind right now, though. I haven't watched... We, I think Ash was cut few. up. I'll, I'll tell her to spoil it for you. No. Yeah. Bring her on the show one of these times, and we'll talk, we'll talk some Supernatural. That'd be fun. Um... So anyway, Legends uh, still is pretty good. Like, um, it's I not a, it a must watch for me, but but it, but it's really good. It is. I I'm really really a stickler as far as watching the shows in order. Yeah, and uh, so like I won't like if we haven't watched Supergirl by Tuesday night, I'm like, nope, we're watching Supergirl first. And my wife's like, no, but I'll fall asleep before we get to Flash. And I'm like, then we'll have to watch it tomorrow. Yeah, and that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I I wait. I watch that. These are shows that are actually, like, I would watch them anyway, don't get me wrong, but they are a lot of fun to watch with my family, because my family actually likes them. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I watch in order, too, I think, with rare, ex- the, the only exception to that rule being The Flash. Like, The Flash, I watch when it comes out, every week. Um, <laughs> no exceptions. <laughs> no exceptions. Um, and, and the family just knows that it's Flash night, and just leave me alone until it's over. Um, <laughs> uh, so next up. Dad's watching the stories. Yeah. Doesn't uh, matter, you broke your arm. Get some Tussin. Put some Tussin on it. Uh, to steal a Chris Rock joke. Uh, Arrow. Did you watch Arrow this week? I did. Yeah. Oh, I watched half of Arrow. Well. Well done. Um, My family interrupted me, so. I don't think this was a terrible episode of Arrow. I don't. Um. Here's the thing. I'm okay with the new Black Canary. I like her, actually. I'm not okay with them having to feature her now as the spotlight I'm a little to dis- get her over. I'm a little disappointed because uh, the only reason they're doing that is because they killed Laurel for seemingly no reason. Yeah. yeah. Dinah Drake is a character from the comic books. In fact, I think she's Golden Age. Yeah. Actually, in, in Origin, <laughs> Earth 2. Yep. But uh, I don't know. Like, if you're going to do it, that's fine. But, like, you did it. And then this whole episode is basically her, like, trying to trying to be a thing and then there's the whole russian thing and the felicity thing and there's just too much going on like they're, they're taking arrow in places that doesn't need to go in order for it to actually be efficient yeah i don't know uh, i will say the one thing that i really do like here is they're getting back to year one as in uh ollie just put on the original arrow suit yeah um and and we're getting into that whole thing so i, I think i'm looking really forward to the uh, the next few episodes as talia continues to train him um which is another weird thing oh yeah by the way uh R- is that R- R- Ghul? um i know your daughter cool yeah yeah we went to secret spy assassin school together um <clears throat> that you didn't know about apparently because reasons yeah 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 that's a little weird <clears throat> um although the chick that they got to play um Talia, you know who she is, right? Hmm. Did you watch Stargate on like, oh. all 10 seasons? Yes. Because she took over as the doctor after they killed off... Uh, yes, I know, know who she is. What's her name? Yeah. 
Yeah. Frasier. Dr. Frasier. Yeah. Poor Frasier. I liked her too. I watched that episode recently. The the two-part episode mm-hmm. with the documentary being filmed at the SGU when she got killed. Yeah. Or SGC, I mean. Uh, yeah. It was sad because everybody thought it was Jack. Yeah. And then they're like, nope, it was Janet. <laughs> uh, and you're like, oh, the feels. Yeah. Because um, that happened like the season before Atlantis. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. I don't remember it super well. Um, anyway, Arrow, Arrow's still pretty good. Like, uh, it hasn't quite, um, after the mid-season break, uh, in season three and especially season four, uh, Arrow went way downhill and we haven't gotten there yet. Guggenheim wrote this episode and I always approach things that Guggenheim writes with a little bit of skepticism. Which you're not wrong to do. There are some wonky things in here that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, but it's getting better, I think. Um, I think this is the episode where Wild Dog is, uh, trying to get, I can't remember what his actual name is, trying Lance. to get, uh, Lance, you know, back on the horse, so to speak. That actually was pretty fun. No, I, that was a fun interaction. As much as I hated his character, um, at the beginning of the season, probably through the mid-season, I'm liking him now. And I think Renee. that's probably, yeah, Renee. Because they're finally giving him something that, you know, makes sense a little bit for his character. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they kind of killed Rags this episode. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of him. I don't think so either. I think he's going to take his Rags a little bit of time to adjust from the nuclear blast that, it that he absorbed. And that's the second thing that was a little annoying. It's like, uh, he's too OP to be on the team. Like, uh, he can absorb a nuclear blast with these Rag things. Uh, maybe he's he, maybe I, he's a little overpowered. I really liked the, uh, the interaction between him and Felicity when the bomb was about to go off. She's like, maybe we can just redirect it to... A, Someplace less significant. He's like, you mean when you killed my whole family? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't quite say that, but I think he says, we don't need another Haven Rock on our hands. Yeah. And she's like, oh, sick burn, bro. Damn it. <laughs> Every time. Ta- How many times I kill one town yeah. of people with the nuclear weapon and all of a sudden it's a big deal. Yeah. This should also explain how convoluted the show's gotten. Yeah, and then she's getting involved with some people in the dark web, and she's going to go down on this big spiral, and it's going to be a thing, and... I don't know, man. I don't know. No, it is. Stephen Mel's already confirmed it. I mean, it is, but <laughs> I, I just... Right. I don't know why. Okay, so, last show we're going to talk about this week, first episode of Legion. You caught it. I, I did watch it. I watched I it last night, actually. It. I okay. forgot it was a thing. Um. So we'll give you a spoiler-free Legion, sort of. Ish. I mean, there's not really a lot to talk about this first episode anyway, other than, like, it's really hard to differentiate between what's real and what's not. Which I love. I yeah. watch that, and as I'm going through this, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. At- oh, they're putting me in his shoes. That's good. That's good. I'm the viewer. Now I empathize with the main character more. Um, so, yeah, actually, I-, I really dug the first episode of this um, so much so that I was like, hey, Ashley, uh, you know all-, all the superhero shit that I watch that you don't care about at all? Um... Okay, forget that I just said that sentence. Watch this show, because uh, I think you're really going to like it. And she watched it, and actually, she was mostly positive about it, too. Like, she thought it was uh, interesting. Although, again, she was confused for most of the episode, which I think is the normal reaction. I think you're supposed to be confused yeah. for most of the episode. No, I think I think you're totally right on that. Um, So, Dan Stevens kills it as as Haller. Yeah. Um, background, and this is not spoilers i yeah, think because they haven't tell us they haven't talked anything about this so david haller is actually in the in the comic books he is the son of moira mctaggart and professor xavier yes um he's his mind is absolutely fucking fractured um but he has reality bending powers yeah he's uh, omega level yeah omega level but 
schizophrenic at the same time. Yeah, he's which a is kind up. of hard to deal with. Um, and if you're looking for storylines that are really Legion centric, if you actually read the Legion quest uh, storyline leading up to the Age of Apocalypse, like he is actually the sum total reason why Age of Apocalypse happened, um, which is probably the single biggest story arc X Men has ever had. Okay, yeah, I'll give it. So, yeah, um, as it, our resident X Men uh, um, um, expert, yeah, and you can I, make and, that call. And this is just like since the '90s and whatnot. But like, yeah. that's that's when comic books really started getting uh, a a big story arc push, so to speak. Like people actually started buying shit regularly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is this is interesting because I'm not sure they're going there with this character. In the in the TV series, I don't think they can be because there's. Uh, I mean, they, they don't. I don't think they're going to bring a lot of X Men into this. Like, I don't think this is going to be like a full on X Men property. Though. But you know, I don't think they do. Um, they've already established that, that there's mutants. Um, so like we have that going. Um, I just don't think we're expecting to see Cyclops pop up anytime soon. Anytime soon. Okay, so Legion, son of Xavier, and Moira McTaggart. Yeah. <clears throat> don't know if they're going to do that in the show. Yeah. We but kinda... I think they can, and I think they can do it without bringing in any of those characters. I'm wondering if we even get so much as a name drop. I, I, I'm really doubtful, like, at least this season. We've already theoretically met his mom. Um, I'm really wondering if at some point... Uh, That's his sister. Didn't we meet his mom? I'm pretty sure no. we met his mom. Like, they brought the cake? Yeah. That's his sister. Fuck. Never mind. Yeah. We haven't okay. met his mom yet. Although like she said, looked very, very more Taggart from the like seventies comics, though she she looked very much like that. I think that's a little bit of a tell then. Um, like I think it's less likely that we're going to see something like that. But I, we, as we talked about this going into it, I've not been expecting them to really try tie this to the X Men proper much at all. Like they've mentioned that there's mutants, and I think that's probably as close as we get. Maybe at some point we get some small uh, um, mutants that we you know back catalog mutants, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we're going to get really tied into the X-Men franchise in any meaningful way whatsoever. Um, Dude. But it's so good already. Like, I really, really enjoyed the show. So this series also features an actress named Rachel Keller. Yep. Um, who has been in one thing before this, and that is Fargo. Okay. Um, and she plays Sid Barrett or Sidney Barrett in Legion. Yeah. She and she was really good in the show. She's too. really good. So, like, this is only the second thing she's ever been in, um, as far as being an actress is concerned. Yeah. Um. Here's the here's the kicker. Like, she's a Cinderella story, if ever there was one. She was born on Christmas Day in Saint Paul, Minnesota, and her first acting role was Fargo. <laughs> she's, Destiny was all set for her there. Yeah. Like, there wasn't really much else she could do after that. Yeah. Um, but she's super good in in this. Like. I, I think she's only in three episodes in this series, but it's certainly looking like that after the first episode. God damn it. Like her character is so fun. Like I didn't know if she really existed for a while. I still don't. I wasn't entirely convinced whether or not she did either. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she was really, really good in this. Um, and that whole angle, like that whole angle, her interaction between, no, the one that I'm not really sure is in this still is Aubrey Plaza. Uh, the dark haired chick. And that was, yeah, candy all the time. Aubrey Plaza, I think, was in Parks and Rec. Yeah, I think she really is real, but I think she's dead. <laughs> I, I think so too. Um, 
So that's kind of sad because actually her character was a lot of fun in this too. And Aubrey Plaza is pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, she little played bummed, Lenny. Little bummed. Um. Anyway, um, <clears throat> don't want to give much more away than we already have, but suffice it to say, this uh, series is shaping up really nicely. One episode in, it was um, a ninety-minute first episode. Yeah, which I did not realize when I started watching it last night. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Uh. But Ryan, you should probably check it out. It's. I mean. I. And I mean probably. I don't mean that. I mean you should definitely check it out. It's. It's super fun. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of interesting things about the way that this it's is a mind fuck too. though. It really is a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck, and I will say, like, um, the effects in the show are amazing for what yeah. it is for a TV show. I was really, really imp- impressed by the effects that they do. Um, secondarily, it's got a really unique feel to it. Like, it feels sort of quasi seventies ish. Like, you'll know what I mean. Like, even just go look at the screenshots on IMDb, and you'll see from the like uh, how big his lapels are and what kind of colors they're in. Um, it feels a little seventies ish. Um, but on the other hand, um, there's some, you know, more modern things about it too, that I'm not really sure what, um, time period we're set in. If you look at the flat that he and his mom lived in before he was institutionalized too, like it's, it's old school. Yeah. And just, like I said, go, go check the IMDb stills. I don't think there's anything given away by any of that. Um, but you can see like, um, it looks to be a, a little bit of a period piece, um, but that doesn't really come across so heavily in the show. Like there's nothing in there that distinctly, I think, places it other than uh, color scheme and those types of things. I, I think the first episode at least is, is completely spoiler proof, because if we don't still know what's real, like I don't think we can really spoil it for anybody. Yeah, um, so. I have I have, a, I have a little bit of theory on that. But um, man, so far, very, very solid pilot. Like I really, really enjoyed um, this opening episode, especially given that I was a little concerned that um, without any of the back catalog of, or, you know, the, the real catalog of um, X-Men and mutants and tie ins and stuff like that. What are they really telling? Yeah, completely assuaded uh, um, after this episode. I'm, I'm super lucky. I caught it when I did on 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 demand because it FX, if you're listening don't just put your episodes up for like four days because that's really fucking stupid. It is really, really I stupid. had to watch it last night, otherwise it wasn't going to be on demand anymore, and then I was going to have to, you know, resort to other means to watch it. Yeah, and it's not like you can even buy the Blu-ray for like the next, I don't know, six months or something probably. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't make any sense at all. I agree. Um, last up before we move on from TV that's not in the show notes yet that I'll stick in here really fast, uh, I do want to briefly mention The Expanse. Um, so The Expanse is a sci-fi show, as in on uh, sci-fi TV or a SIFI, as we've taken to calling it here at the whatever show. Um, but it's so, so good. Uh, so if you're not watching The Expanse, it's only in its second season now. I think we're about five episodes into that season, and I really, really enjoy it. Um, if you like Battlestar, you're probably going to like The Expanse. It shares a lot of similarities, I think, between Battlestar and The Expanse, although in a much, much different way. But there's sort of the... Um, Number one, I love the way it's shot. Again, The Expanse gets how space works, which is always a plus if you're a nerd and you like spacey shit like that. Um, Number two, um, it's got this sort of intrigue surrounding it uh, in a similar way that Battlestar did, but not in the, like, is it gods? Is it, you know, in my head? It's it's much more... um, kind of uh, almost detective story-ish uh, that, than uh, that. And anyway, the show's just really good. So if you're not watching The Expanse yet, uh, either panel or listeners at home, um, you should give that a shot. Uh, you're only in for like 15 or 16 episodes, I think, to watch the whole thing as it stands right now. In that same vein, um, the wife has expressed interest um, or at least possible intrigue into the 100. 
I have watched about a season, two seasons of 100. It's I've not watched any of it yet, so we may check that out. Um, also, I think I'm going to check out The Colony, which is a USA show um, that uh, features... Uh, what's Sawyer? Huh? Sawyer? I don't know. The Colony, I think, is the show that has Sawyer in it. It's got uh, Dr. Tancredi slash uh, uh, Rick Grimes' wife, who's now dead. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Also Sawyer from Lost. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know she was in Lost. I so, only no, I, Sawyer. No, she's not oh, Sawyer. Okay. The guy, who, uh, James something or other. Okay. Who plays Sawyer? In I'm Lost, with you now. He's a dude, you. and he's in the show. Okay. Yeah. No. Lost. Lost people are. Uh, I understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Nobody understands Lost, dude. I mean, as much as you can up until the last episode where you're just like, what the fuck? I only know Hurley, and that's mostly because there's a Weezer album named Hurley. (laughs) (laughs) And it was legit named after him, so. Yeah. Hurley's dope. Um, But, yeah. No, so uh, the 100 and and the Colony, I'll probably check those out in the near future. I don't know. Brief commentary on the 100. It's CW show. Right. I expect there to be some C-dub. In, in, in kind of the worst ways. Um, there's a lot of things that are... Ju- and secondarily, as cool as the premise is, there's a lot of things like that Like Ricky just- was going to date Sarah, but then instead he decides to date Denise and Sarah's not happy about it. That sort of thing, yeah. yeah. There, there's um, a lot of things also when it comes down to like understanding like what the premise of the show is that are glaringly stupid. Is there um, actually a character named Ricky in it? No, I don't think okay. so. Um, yeah, but there are some things in there that are glaringly stupid about it. Uh, the, the premise is pretty interesting though. And the show itself is at least decently well-made. Um, so if you can get over some of the either gaping plot holes or giant stupidity in the writing, uh, you, you might be okay. But, um, it's one of those shows that as a nerd, um, who's probably into this kind of stuff before and has watched a lot of it, you might be a little disappointed. Gotcha. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I probably will be. I mean, but watch it. Watch it after a couple of beers is all I'm saying. That's usually not a problem. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> all right, so to end out our evening, we've got some wrestling to talk about. We have both some wrestling news, and then we're going to talk about the Elimination Chamber uh, SmackDown pay per view that aired this evening that we just finished watching all three and a half, four hours of. Three. It was about three. Yeah, something like that. Pre-show was an extra hour, but we didn't really pay much attention to it. So no, we didn't. All right. Um. So to start off. Um, interesting tidbit, and some of you may already know this, but it's it's a fun fact. Um, Vince McMahon in his office at Titan Towers in Connecticut has a legit T Rex skull fossil hanging on his wall. Yeah, how did he acquire such such a, an artifact? Triple H bought it for him. Yeah, Triple H is who again? Uh, his son-in-law. Yeah, his son-in-law. Uh, so Triple H, of course, uh, um, married Stephanie McMahon, uh, Vince's daughter. Like real life, Mary. so I don't know. The way that I like to think about this is like uh, uh, him and Stephanie are out shopping at their local IKEA, or you know whatever the equivalent of IKEA is, where you can buy dinosaur heads. Hey, Steph, uh, what would your dad like? Yeah, <laughs> do you think your dad wants uh, like some new cup holders, or maybe a nice set of coasters for his desk, or I don't know? There's this pen and paper set thingy that looks really. Oh, T Rex head, Hunter. I really think we should go uh, disturb an active fossil dig and 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 force them to sell us ahead yeah there's a fossil section over here it's aisle 39 oh fossils your dad loves fossils um i guess that's why he keeps letting undertaker wrestle too soon (laughs) sorry that was harsh i'm sorry mark calloway i love you mark yeah that's what i said mark said mark (laughs) did he yeah he did okay mark anyway um 
So anyway, the T-Rex's name is Stan T-Rex. Yeah. It has um, a name. It does. As you do, you, you bring your dinosaur fossil mounted on your wall in your office. And then so of do you think Triple H inherits that office someday? Do you think that was pre-planned in his part? <laughs> you think he's just like, oh, dude, T-Rex head. Fucking sick. Oh, oh I want to get this. I get this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Vince, you like T-Rex heads. What the fuck? Why would you give me a T-Rex? God, it's really fitting for it's Vince, fine. We'll just put it up it here in the office. Fitting. It God is damn, a, pal. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, so, anyway, there's a T-Rex head hanging in Vince's office. Yeah, I just thought that do. was interesting. Like, it, it was something that I thought was was definitely worthy of, of mention. I mean, that's a good example of, I think, us and them as as far as, like, wealth goes. Like, uh, what did you buy for yourself this weekend? Some comic books. I bought a book on Amazon. Um, um, you know, got got the nice the nice six-pack of beer this weekend. Um, got a nice what did you get? Magic T- uh, you know, T-Rex head. I got a T-Rex head. The magic deck, depending on what it is, could be almost as expensive as the T-Rex head. <laughs> I was just going to say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Alright, so next up, tell me about Trish Stratus during her first six months in the WWF. I'm guessing this is part of your rewatch that you've been doing for the yeah, last man. forever. Um, so, here's the thing. There was three women's matches at the Elimination Chamber view tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, ballsy move. Yeah. On the WWE's part, because uh, I've never seen a pay-per-view that actually had three separate women's matches before. And I will give them this. With a few exceptions, I actually enjoyed them all. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we got there without Tristratus. Almost at, without a doubt, you did a, not. And Lita at some point. But um, I'm just... I'm I'm watching my rewatch, because uh, I... A couple of years ago, I started watching Monday Night Raw from the beginning in 1993. And watching Raw, then pay-per-views, you know, et cetera. And then SmackDown came along. And so I started kind of watching. I, I'm watching it in order as I go. Um, Trish Stratus debuted early in 2000. I'm, in, I'm now in August of 2000 or July 31st of 2000. I think I'm in, is, is, is the episode of Raw that I'm on. And I'm noticing that she, she started out as, as pure valet. Yep. Mm-hmm. As most of the women at this time did, like you didn't really, except for China, I think you didn't really come into the business as a wrestler, right? Um, and then the last several episodes that I've watched, she's been in a pretty heated rivalry with Lita, and she's not a legit wrestler yet, but she's definitely been in the ring, yeah, uh, a little bit more. Um, obviously, this is early two thousands um, slash. Yeah, she debuted in two thousand, so. Early 2000s, um, WWE was, I, I think it's fair to say, hypersexualized at that point in time. Uh, oh, yeah. I Dude. mean, this is still oh, when yeah. The Godfather was, is it The Godfather? I can't remember. The Godfather? Yeah, yeah he was still bringing his hose to the, the stage. Actually, Actually just yeah. watched, I just watched the last episode with the hose because he became the good father shortly thereafter. Okay, gotcha. But I mean, that that should give you an idea of the era of the product that we're viewing. Yeah. Um, so Trish Stratus at, at, at this point, even though I think, um, I know where you're going with this. It's still very sexualized. Like, I remember watching all of these. Like, this is probably the era where, like, uh, her and Lita probably had to battle it out in Jello or something like that. Not yet. They've had mm-hmm. some... They had a leather strap match, which wasn't a legit leather strap match. So, and, and to set the stage for anybody who's not up on wrestling, a leather strap match is where you actually have uh, both your left arms, you and your opponent, attached by a leather strap. And the object is to beat your opponent to the point where you have the flexibility to walk around the ring and touch all four corners of the ring. Wow. Nice. Um, 
this leather strap match, they essentially just ripped each other's shirts off and whipped each other with leather belts. Yeah. So not a legit leather strap match as far as traditionally yeah. speaking, but unless you're spanking it. Um I mean I didn't have a problem with it. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's weird watching Trish transition from the pure val and, and not weird. I I I mean like cuz I know it happens cuz I lived through it once already, but rewatching it, it it's it's strange especially now so I know a hell of a lot more about the business now than I did originally. Yeah. Uh, back then, uh, her rise was meteoric to say the least. Like it went absolutely bananas for a while, and uh, I'm I'm probably only a couple months away from her aligning with Vince McMahon and being his quote mistress during that entire time uh, until WrestleMania when she. Yeah, I think that's another him. you know sort of. Uh... <clears throat> idea of what the product was at that time or like again not condoning necessarily like this is history it happened this is a thing that happened much like when you watch peter pan cartoons it says look we 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 really uh depicted um native americans in a way that was pretty shitty um but we're letting it stand because that's what it was <laughs> we promise we don't feel this way really yeah and i think that's kind of the, like the amount of sexism going on in the wwe at the time like even trish stratus to rise the only way she could do it is by sleeping with vince mcmahon even like figuratively you know meta- uh, story wise you know like it, it, the the whole product at this time I think is fairly sexist. You know what's funny is that like there's one particular moment where Vince makes her get on her hands and knees and bark like a dog in the middle in of the, the ring. ring. Yep. Yeah. And people ask her about that during every interview. I'm, in fact, I've made it a mental note not to ask her about that if we ever get the chance to to talk to her. <laughs> um. But she actually credits that that whole point in her career. She's like, yeah, she goes. Number one, Vince wasn't going to make me do it if it wasn't something I wasn't okay with doing. And number two, getting her character from the point where it was at that time to fighting back and becoming the Trish Stratus that we would know as the women's champion yeah. uh, for mm-hmm. so long like doesn't happen without that particular moment. Oh, don't get me wrong. They've, they've come a long way, especially in the last 10 years. Like like you said uh, tonight, uh, three of the matches we're going to talk about on the card are women's matches. And for the most part, um, they're not like I was thinking about that as, as I was watching the matches, because the first obvious place you look at for, you know, like sexualized, um, uh, uh, you know, characters, women, women, especially in the matches here would be clothing. And as I'm thinking about the clo- clothing, the women I'm wearing, I'm like, man, those are some pretty tight trunks. And then I was like, she must have gotten them from Triple H, you know, like yeah <laughs> so it's not necessarily i think at that point sexist it's just you know like they'd have to go the opposite route if if they wanted to you know completely desexualize it um you know like alexa bliss is actually her ring attire is probably less sexual um than, than a lot of the like nikki bella comes out in trunks uh, short trunks and, and uh halter top basically i believe one of my notes for that match is moose knuckle oh yeah yeah so i mean <laughs> heavily there's, there, I don't know. It, it's kind of tricky because that's really the only place I think where the, it's still fairly sexualized in nature is the fact that 
Um, you got girls wrestling, which don't get me wrong. The is Bella Twins, teenage boy fantasy, and the and, Bella Twins are gorgeous, and there's no way the WWE is not going to capitalize on that. I mean, they can't not, but they do that with the guys too. Like, why is Roman Reigns popular? Um, because he's gorgeous. Because he's pretty. Uh, uh, Vince <laughs> likes him because he's pretty, and that's kind of the thing with Vince. Like, he's got a look he wants for his wrestlers to have, and so those tend to be the top guys. Like, it's not a surprise that the top guys in the business right now are, are generally, you know, pretty people. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. Jericho, look at Chris Jericho at the age of 40, whatever he is. Like, he's a good-looking dude. And yeah. I don't think At this point, wrestler... we should just come out and say we're totally gay for Jericho. Like, yeah. we've, we've we've all but filleted him on this podcast. So. Well, but, yeah, but you're right. You're not, you're not right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, it's, it's just one of those things, man. Like, if you're kind of fugly, like, you're, you're not going to carry the belt. Not for long, anyway. I, I mean, mean, Steve the, Austin. I mean, Foley. Don't get me wrong. Foley is the, uh, the polar opposite. Foley, Foley uh, is not at all a, a pretty person. At Foley least held the belt for like three days at a time, though, when he was champion. Yeah, so. and that's the, that's the thing. <laughs> that's like, true. He, they gave him the belt, um, but it's almost like begrudgingly, like, oh, you, you don't actually fit the like, you don't fit the brand. You know, we can't stick you out there in front and sell T-shirts and stuff like that, um, which you know is totally stupid. They totally did and could sell T-shirts for, with Foley. Um, but yeah, they do that a lot now too with the women's division. I think they, they do that as much as they ever did with the men's, um, maybe more, but I don't know. I haven't watched long enough to really pay attention to that. Yeah. So, um, anyway, just the whole Trish Stratus thing, like, um, we'll talk about her too later on, um, because she had some pretty, uh, history making matches. Uh, her and Lita in fact headlined, uh, raw one night. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this is way back before the quote women's revolution uh, in wrestling. They were called divas back then, which I don't think either Trish or Lita really cared for all that much. But it was what it was at the time, and they made the I best of it. Even as even as I was watching then, and don't get me wrong, I was a teenage boy who totally dug all the hot, hot sexy shit they were doing all the time. I hated the divas name, the divas title, and well, I mean the name divas stuck around clear up until this last yeah. year recently so they just got rid of that are you serious yeah, yeah. like when they yeah. the the women's belt that we see on raw the the white was belt that with the, the red, divas title that they that's when they took away the divas title and they changed it to the women's title wow progress is slow yeah it's it took a long time well before the i mean the belt that they had before the divas championship was the women's championship and, and then they became, had both and then yeah then they had both and then it just became the divas because i think raw had the women's championship yeah. and smackdown had the divas championship mm-hmm. and then they merged the two into the this butterfly just divas the divas belt. championship that yeah was absolutely awful so i mean there's there's it, it did take a long time for them to to shake that term uh and i think it's only been good for the business i mean look at the matches that we've had on raw and smackdown both like they both have great women's divisions uh, SmackDowns is probably the more flush because we actually had three women's matches on a pay-per-view tonight. And on Raw, you got maybe two at a, at any given time that are actually worthy of a pay-per-view match. So Yeah, and I actually totally agreed with all of these matches being pay-per-view matches. Although, that said, I, I'm not so sure that I agreed with how they executed them. I, I don't know. Let's get into the card, and then we'll talk about those. Yeah, when we get let's, there. let's I, I think, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll cover Trish more often um, as, we, as I continue through my watch-through. And... We're doing retro matches, and we're kind of trying to go in order a little bit, too. So we will actually hit some of those matches um, yeah. in the coming weeks. But uh, did anybody watch the Mojo Raleigh-Kurt-Hawkins match? Because I didn't. No. 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 Pre-show. Sorry, that guys. Was, that was kickoff show. So I was, I was making the salsa. Um, I 
Just reading show notes, I think. I yeah. didn't care. All right, next up, Apollo Crews. And nope. What? These are not in order. These are the order that I uh, read online. Man. But these are, that why, was not the order they did Why you got to do that to me? Well, the six, <laughs> I got six, my notes. Is it the six-man tag? No. Well, fuck. Just tell me. I've got my notes. I will lead us through it. Okay. So Elimination Chamber kicked off with Hold my hand. Becky Lynch versus Mickey James. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Solid I middle rely on you guys for this more than me because I actually was helping with dinner during this match. So okay. Uh, so I yeah. think we all thought Mickey James was going over in this match. We did. You can go check check our Twitter. We we and got basically most of the show wrong. We, which we is got raped on our predictions for this <laughs> this particular. Which favorite. yeah never hasn't happened since I've started coming over here and watching them. I'll tell you what's really? gonna. I'll tell you what it is. I haven't watched the TV between the pay per views at all. And that usually gives me a little bit of a of a an well, advantage see, on where people are going, but I haven't either. I, I'm I'm I've been flying blind this whole time. I'm just groping around in the dark, hoping to catch something <laughs> that's uh, you know worthy of uh, touching. See, um, I'm and, and here we are. It's usually just Ryan's dick, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I keep guessing wrong even still. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he told me not to say. Um, so what I have in my notes for this was that it was a fairly good match because you guys told me it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it was. I did like this match. Um. um and but the the finish was just a simple roll up. If they went through this uh, combination, and I thought that Mickey James would have kicked out into something bigger, I and thought it, just it started kinda... out. Wasn't Becky going for the disarmer? Yes, wasn't that how it started? She, I yeah, think so yeah, it started, and then Mickey James rolls her up, and then she, uh, Becky rolls Mickey James up, and that was it. And. To me, that felt very flat compared to what the match was yeah, building up to. Yeah, they both have decent to. finishers, so it's weird to me that they would finish it off yeah. like that. So it See, it was it was a very solid match. It was just the finish. Just we were kind of talking about this as going to come up later on too. Um, I don't really like how they handle finishes in women's matches. Like it seems really clumsy to me the way that they're finishing the women's matches. And I don't know. Um, Tell me I'm wrong, guys, but I think in the biz, like, um, they, uh, they call the matches as they go for the most part. Um, but probably going into the match, they're going to say, here's a couple of spots we want to do. And this is how the match is going to close out. That finish was definitely a spot that was planned before the match started. Right. Uh, it doesn't so, make any sense to me, but that, that, yeah, that happened. So that's, that's what I don't get here is with women's matches, um, all, all the finishes, uh, except with one exception, pretty, pretty lukewarm, I thought. Um, and this is something that I've seen going into these matches a lot, or going into the women's matches uh, now for you know the last four or six months worth of pay-per-views. Um, they're all kind of lukewarm finishes, or, or not all, but most of them are kind of lukewarm finishes. And where you see, um, I don't know, I, I just don't think on the women's side they're doing as good of a job building a, the drama and telling the story through the match, um, because like this one was just out of nowhere. Like you said, both girls have really good finishers. So they, they didn't even dust off tonight. I don't think. Um, so that, these, that was just you know simple roll up and we're done sort of thing. These wrestlers have agents, and I don't. When I say agent, I don't. I mean I. I don't mean like a, a person that helps them get a good deal and whatnot. Um, each match is essentially produced by an agent who is somebody who is a former wrestler, for the most part. Um, Billy Kidman is actually mm-hmm. an agent with the WWE. Um, Arn but, Anderson. Yeah, I don't think Arn's there anymore. Oh, he's at not. At least not an well, agent. Well, he was. But, yeah, he he was for a long time. But so And essentially, your agent is the one that goes over the match with both wrestlers and, and, and helps you plan out the spots during the match and, and actually is the one that says, okay, what do you guys want to do for a finish? They get your feedback and they say, okay, 
um, we're not going to do this, but we'll do that or whatever. So I'd, I'd really like to know who the agent for this match was that was like, yeah, we'll do this for a finish. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. It, like, it doesn't make either person look strong. And that's it didn't. That's and the weird part about it to me. See, that's that's what I'm getting at in general. Is I, I think I see that with women's matches. We're going to come back to that when we get there. But keep that thought in your head, kids, as we li- uh, listen to the rest of this episode. Um, because when we talk about one of the other women's matches tonight, we're going to talk about that again, I think. Yeah. All right. So next match of the evening. Dolph versus Kalisto and Apollo. Yeah. So Dolph, Heel Ziggler on Twitter, at Heel Ziggler, um, H-E-E-L, is uh, being a heel. Um. Yeah. So this is a handicap match. I think this match was was probably put together specifically with the intent of of uh, cementing him as a heel. I don't. I haven't watched SmackDown over the last couple of weeks, so I don't know what he's done on on TV. Uh, but it worked. I mean, this match definitely worked. If it if this is the purpose for it, because uh, he immediately starts out by um, throwing Kalisto into the LEDs and breaking a whole bunch of them out, and basically incapacitating him for the entire match. Um. So it's essentially a one-on-one match between Ziggler and, and Apollo Crews. Yeah. Um, he did sell a little bit more than heels usually do, but that's like Ryan said during the match, that's, that's Ziggler. Yeah. yeah. He sells. He sells. And I mean, you should. Yeah. Speaking of selling, there was one thing that was really frustrating to me watching this match is, um, I called it midway through. I think I said, you know, Kalisa has got to come back out here at some point. Like, and so Kalisa does, he hobbles down the steps and down the ramp, selling the selling entire, the way entire down the time, uh, climbs up slowly onto the apron, hops over the rope and jumps like he's fucking Willy Wonka. Then all of a sudden he's Yoda from episode two fighting Dooku. Yeah. Dooku. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. He, he, he Willy Wonka's that shit right up. Yoda's it, whatever you want to say, um, forgets to sell basically for the whole rest of the match until the end, until the end. And then he's selling again. And it's like, guys. I know it's a work, but give me a fucking break. Like, yeah. you can't have Kalisto selling that hard and then have him come in and, and flipping around like Yoda. Um, it doesn't make any sense to anybody at all. It was re- that that was probably the only painful part, unless unless they were gonna go with oh he was faking it, like he was faking it because it was gonna be a strategic advantage or something like that. But but they didn't. They didn't do that at all. It was just he was selling. He forgot to sell, or you know can't sell because his whole shtick is doing all these you know high flying sort of uh, acrobatic shit. Uh, and then you know they they have him back selling by the end of the match again. So yeah. And if anything, I felt like Kalis- Kalisto should have came in a little bit sooner than he had because I feel that Ziggler could have played off that injury and beat it up some more. If they wanted to push him, put him even more it over as a heel, they they could have done that. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I you don't prob- think they needed to. You're probably right, how, but I don't think they needed to either, on yeah. how everything shook down after the match was over. So after, after the true. match, after so the match, Kalisto really came in, cemented it. Kind of took some liberties on Ziggler. Ziggler ends up getting pinned by Apollo Cruz. Um, you know, with a sit out power bomb. Ziggler's not happy about that. No, Ziggler actually uh, throws Kalisto out, beats him up a little bit on the outside, grabs a steel chair, and takes it into the ring, and and um, essentially breaks. Apollo Cruz's ankle in the chair by stepping, put it in between and stepping on it twice. Yeah, you did that twice. I mean, obviously, that's I don't know if it'll be a break or I don't know how they're going to sell it, but uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Like, I, I figure they're going to have him hobble out on crutches for the next couple of episodes of SmackDown or something like that, and then he'll have a you know remarkable recovery shortly thereafter. Those two are going to fight again for sure. I, I, I think, I think heel Ziggler. Uh, versus Apollo Cruz is a really good way to elevate Apollo Cruz as a, as a babyface 
and and move him from the lower card over the mid card. I think so too. Uh, and, and I think this match being second on the card is is testament to that. Ziggler, as we know, can work. You know, early card, mid card. You know, main event. Main event. He he's capable of doing all of that. So I think the entire purpose of this match is basically to establish Ziggler as being a legitimate despicable heel, as well as elevate Apollo Cruz to the fact uh, to the point where like they can have him doing mid card stuff at least uh, within the next few weeks. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, all right, next match. Uh, tag team turmoil is next. Tag team turmoil. Um. So we had six teams. This was mostly forgettable, in my opinion. There's a couple of high spots here. Yeah. Um, um, we had... Uh, the match started out... So American Alpha is the, are the champions going into this match. Uh, we actually start the match... Uh, this is an elimination-style match. Uh, with the exception of not everybody is competing at the same time. So we yeah. started out with Rhino and Heath Slater um, versus Brizongo, um, which is uh, Tyler Breeze and... Fandango. Uh, Which, by the way, I don't like them. No, they're all right, but they're they're stick, they, their gimmick is they're shit. both singles wrestlers that got put into a tag team. Gotcha. And I think you can tell it. Yeah, you know, uh, Heath Slater and and uh, Rhino go over on those guys. Uh, not it, pretty quickly. It doesn't take very long for them to eliminate those two. Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, next, we have the Vod Villains coming out uh, to face Rhino and Heath Slater since they are the winners from the previous match. Um, and Rhino and Heath Slater go over on those guys. Uh, probably six, seven minutes in. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, no, not really any memorable spots or anything like that that I can recall from the VOD villains. So once once the VOD villains are eliminated, uh, we get the Usos, who were my pick to actually win the entire thing. Uh, and I... Don't think you're wrong there. Um, I I was thinking it, the Usos would go over too. So um, they ended up uh, taking out Heath Slater and Rhino, and then American Alpha, the 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 reigning champs, come in, um, and they actually went over on the Usos. They did. Um, that was actually a, a fairly. This is where the match starts to slow down a little bit and get a little bit more interesting. Um, uh, American Alpha kind of got their asses handed to them for a large portion, and then uh, they they did manage to pull out the win. Continued to do so after they won. Yeah, yeah. And then that's where we get to the interesting part, which is uh, the USOs get eliminated, but they don't fucking care, and they just kick the shit out of American Alpha. Yeah. Um, um I mean, for an, not an abnormally long time, but the match might as well have continued because it had to have gone on for three, four, five minutes, something like that. Um, um, while the Usos just basically destroy American Alpha. So what's interesting here is I was thinking, well, they they got to be um, dropping the belts here. I mean, they, they've just been handed their asses to them by the Usos. Because yeah, we have the Ascension coming out next. Yeah, the Ascension's coming out next. And that's the only point where I was like, ah, oh, maybe they're not going to drop the belts because I don't think the Ascension is, isn't a tag team I've seen so far. I don't know so likes the Ascension. Well, I mean, I've been watching this for six months, only pay-per-views, mind you, but I don't even know who the Ascension is. Yeah. So it was like, they can't be giving up the belts to the Ascension when I don't even know who they are this this far into it. Um, and as it turns out, they didn't. So American Alpha goes over. They did retain, um, albeit in a struggle. And that's fine. That's a good story to tell. Yeah. Uh, it's just matches I mean, with this many. I mean, we're talking 12 guys in one match. And that's a hard match to pull off, especially given the time that they were given. I think the, the whole thing was probably 25 minutes. 
Yeah. That's an that's an insane amount of time. So, but for twelve guys. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of times people talk about tag team matches and they wonder why there's no uh, dominant tag teams anymore. And it really breaks down to money because mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about a a, a fifteen to twenty minute match, um, and why pay four guys when you could pay two guys to do that? Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's especially maybe not as much in WWE because there's not a shortage of of cash flow. But when you're talking any other promotion, like you're not going to have a promotion that has six tag teams that are legit contenders for the tag titles at any particular point in time. Um, They did it in the Attitude Era. Um, And it was fun. It was super fun because you had the Hardys, you had the... um, Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian. You had the Acolytes, you had the Dudleys. Uh, who um, else? Yeah, D-Generation X, DX, Road Dog and X-Pac. Road Dog, X-Pac, or Road Dog and Billy Gunn, depending. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of tag team matches um, that were super, super fucking good. But we're talking big-time production with money to, to be on TV, all that kind of stuff. Like, when you're talking any other promotion, um, it just isn't feasible to have that many tag teams because you're paying that many, you know, twice as many people for those matches. And even on TV, like, throughout the later years of WWE, like there hasn't been that many tag teams that people are just really into. No. Um, so it's, it's hard to pull off a match with six tag teams in it and have it really go over super good. This match was all right. Uh, American alpha retaining is probably a good thing. Oh yeah. I think they set up a grudge with the Usos. Like, uh, yeah, no, you're totally um, right about that. They're probably going to go against each other at Mania. That would be sure. my suspicion. Probably, yeah. Uh, if not before, because we do have seven weeks until WrestleMania, and there's no other SmackDown pay-per-views between now and then. So. That's true. Build up. Yeah. Um, all right. So next we have Nikki Bella versus Natalia, which is probably my favorite singles match of the night. Other I... than the finish. Yeah, Elimination Chamber was, was pretty super good. good. No, singles match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Singles match. Singles match. Probably. I'll, g- I'll give you that one to you. Um. <laughs> first in my notes, most knuckle. Yep. Nikki Bella. <laughs> like we were saying, uh, the attire. Like, again, I don't know if this is sexist or not because she's not wearing anything skimpier than any of the guys wear. But on the other hand, it, it's a little different on a woman. So like Alexa Bliss's ring out outfit is still pretty sexy. Don't get me wrong, but um, not Alexa Bliss. Natalia. This is yeah, Natalia. Sorry, Nikki Natalia. Bella. Uh well no this applies with Alexa too Alexa wears like the full oh, okay. um leggings and stuff like that but I think that's who I was thinking of too I just but yeah that's not who was in this match um even Natalia though if if I remember yeah Natalia um she's got the full bodysuit on yeah Natalia she's does. got the full bodysuit as well so um, Nikki has the the shorts with the the the, the nylons and yeah she the, she's she's wearing and she was coming out in in Cena's colors front. tonight yeah yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> all I have to do is this I'm like yeah. Yeah, um, it should be my my uh, maleness was immediately triggered because now I'm looking at your tits. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, her outfit is probably the most sexualized uh, of not all the girls, but the SmackDown girls we saw tonight. I, you I can think. definitely see where her vagina is. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you definitely can. Those are some short shorts. That's a tight top, you know. The shorts, I was concerned were going to be like a legitimate yeah. wardrobe malfunction at, at first because Natalia at one point had her like picked up from behind. And if she'd have shifted to one side or the other, like, yeah, we'd see more you, than we should have seen on a, yeah. 
Nikki a, Bella's TVMA fun you know? parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because on the one hand, I think they're a little bit deliberate about most of the girls. Um, probably get it. And see, I don't know if this is sexist or not because I get the feeling that most of the girls probably have some say in their ring attire. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or in and not even some say significant say in their ring attire. Yeah. Um, because do. Nikki's really one of the only girls that's still coming out in something really tiny like this. So you know, is it sexist to say you know she shouldn't be that's allowed to wear the it? era that Nikki came up in? Yeah. It, it, it was, and I mean, they also made it a point in the story between the feud as to why she is who she is because of her looks and her sex appeal. Yeah. And yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're still selling that angle. So I, I don't. Whatever the case may be, she, she's still probably one of the only girls that is like in a pretty sexual outfit. Um, but again, I don't know if that's even sexist because it's nothing worse than than we've seen. You know, many people in the men's division wear. Yeah. Kind of walking through the match. So beyond the the attire, I've got uh, Nikki slapped Natalia, which was a, a it was just a bitch slap. That's that's really it was. what it was. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be like a powerhouse. Like I'm gonna knock you on your ass. Just a fuck you, I'm slapping you in the face kind of a thing. Um, Natalia had some great heel work during this match. Oh and this my is, god, yeah. This is going to bring me to one of my saddest points of the match, and that is the crowd didn't seem to be in this match at all, even though it was yeah, I pointed really well executed from both parties. I was just like listening to the crowd, and it was just... Kind of dead. Yeah, all I heard was other people's conversations throughout the arena. You know... It's kind of surprising because I would think and Nikki Bella at least would get a little bit more of a pop from the crowd. Like she's she should. she's got some history. She she mm-hmm. should get some more pop from the crowd. Um, so they did, I think, finally start to get into the match by the end of it. Um, but it was a little disappointing overall because, uh, yeah, I I, I wanted the crowd to be a little bit more with this. And, but I mean, maybe that's just the two the two that were wrestling because I I still think Becky Lynch gets a pretty big pop from the crowd. She does. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, just part of, you know, who she is as a wrestler and, and, you know, comparatively, but I would think again, Nikki Bella should probably be a bigger deal than she is. And both of the girls, either way, even if you're not super big fans of either one, she, both, both did really well during this match. And this was actually a, a really good singles match. So Nikki, um, Toward the end of the match, delivered one hell of a spine buster to Natalia. Oh yeah, oh that yeah, great. that was gorgeous. Uh, that's actually in my notes. I I put that in there. Um, and then they had a really good back and forth uh, submission spot just before the end of the match. That you know, um, Natalia goes for the sharpshooter, and then Nikki rolls it over, reverses it into the STF. the fearless lock, yeah, or whatever it is. Uh, it's kind of an STF, but it's more of a choke. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for some reason they both rolled out of the ring and they ended up being a double count out for the finish which I mean if you're going to prolong the feud I guess but I just think there's so many bigger ways you can prolong the feud if they're going to end it like that why didn't they just start the match with a time limit and have it be a time limit draw I mean whatever that at least boosts the anticipation for the next matchup between the two we get a time limit draws are something that don't happen anymore, and they should. They really just fucking yeah. should because it, it, it's a good way to not do shit like this. I mean, the, the short of it is, we've got a clear heel, we've got a clear face in this. Like, there's a lot of other ways we end this match that prolong the feud. Um, it doesn't, you know, like let's just say Nikki Bella goes over, and we have something similar, and maybe this is the only reason they didn't do it because we had something similar with the Usos and uh, um, with Ziggler earlier in the in the card. 
Um, but let's just say Nikki Bella goes over and then, uh, Natalia totally fucks her up and we still had that prolonging. Like later on we get, we get a little interstitial where, um, Natalia jumps Nikki Bella and backstage again. So whatever happened through the course of this match, like, especially if Nikki Bella went over and, you know, did it in a way that made any sort of sense. Um, there's no reason this feud doesn't continue. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's I, no there's no reason they don't eventually put him in a cage. Like we were talking about this before the 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 show too. Like cage matches, like cage matches should be for this type of shit. Like settle grudges, that that type of thing. Um there's no reason why they couldn't keep dri- driving this up that way and put him in a cage. But a count out outside of the ring, like just I'd love to see the next time they were like, you know, um we're going to take this match with uh uh Randy Orton and i don't know it doesn't really matter anybody else um uh, ziggler and we're just gonna have it end in a count out outside of the ring yeah i mean i i guess i'll have to watch smackdown this week to find out if they they elaborate on that at all and and do anything further but to me this seems like a really fucking shitty way to end a match that again like i said quite honestly was probably the best singles match on the card yeah it was but that's that's kind of you know I said we were going to talk about this a little bit later, um, but this is going back to what I'm saying. Like they don't pace the end of the the women's division very well at all. Like there should be bigger spots I think towards the end. Um, there should be bigger, um, more drama in the way they finish out the matches because the the two matches we've seen singles matches women's um, this evening, pretty weak um, as far as the ending goes. Um, but again. Matches great, were solid. Just the great singles was... match, but they don't know how to end them. They don't know how to end them, uh, and so you know, it wasn't until we get to uh, the the next women's singles that we actually get a half decent ending. But was... Even then, was a little lackluster. I, the, I think uh, that's the, where the... Raw ha- kind of has the edge, even though they don't have the, the 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 depth of the women's roster. Like they always are able to finish matches with a solid, with a really good finish. Yeah. So. But I mean, they kind of. I think that's maybe that maybe that's the talent too, because uh, that's we got Charlotte over there, Sasha Banks. We got you know um, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. Bailey's a good heel and and can finish matches. I don't know. It just what what they choose to go into this, like you said, you know, this is the the ending. How they how they're gonna end the match is predetermined going into it. So why they keep choosing these weak fucking finishes, I don't I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They should have chose to have Bella go over. And still have the backstage angle where they're in, I don't doing even the interview. Care if, if if one to, goes over the other, well, like if there could I be mean, a disqualification to build the or anything else, but like a double countout, it's, it's like lazy. kissing your sister, man. Like it's, it's just lazy. ridiculous. Yeah, I just I can't remember the last time I've seen a double countout. I mean, kissing your sister. Don't I get mean, me wrong. <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of wrestling in the last, but I don't even, if I go back to when I was watching wrestling, you know, back in the heyday and watching it, you know, weekly, um, I don't remember even seeing a double count out. You know, it's just, it's, it does. Like, I thought a double count out only right existed for the it. WWE game, you know, yeah. like for 2K16 or whatever, 2K17. Whatever. Next match. Orton versus Harper. This match uh, could have been a lot better than it was. Could have been. Uh, Harper works a little sloppy. He does. I think Harper's bread and butter is is as part of a tag team. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I don't he's kind know of the big that, man. Don't know that he's cut out for more than being in a tag team. Yeah, and I I mean, far be it for me. I'm not a professional wrestler. I don't want to sell another guy short. You know, that's not had a lot of singles opportunities. Uh, but he definitely seems out of sorts and out of his element as a, a, in, singles, in a singles match yeah 
Uh, Orton doesn't, and I know for a fact that Orton doesn't like it when his opponent in the ring uh, isn't at his level. <laughs> yeah. And Orton's Orton's kind of, I don't want to say prick, but I mean, he can be. Like, if if you fuck up enough spots, like, Orton will make you pay for it. Yeah. And Which... I didn't see Harper fuck up very many spots. I think I think I saw maybe two. But but he was sloppy and, and yeah. I could tell Orton's demeanor he just wasn't really happy about being in that situation. Uh I don't know. The RK out of nowhere couldn't come soon enough for me for this match. Yeah. yeah same. Um it wasn't a and this is not a necessarily a diss on Luke Harper. He just probably is a better tag team uh worker than he is singles, and that's that's just my take on it. I don't. Yeah, I, I hate don't, to see Orton I, in matches like this because it really wasn't a great match, but it wasn't because of any fault of Orton necessarily. No. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like what they're doing with Orton as far as like this whole Wyatt feud thing. Like, um, it, it, we're gonna talk about that more, but I think that's the setup we're gonna eventually get to. Um, it, 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 Orton versus the Wyatt family in some capacity or the other. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I like how they're going with that, but like Orton versus Luke Harper, this match was kind of one of the low points of the it night could have been better like given the angle that they're in right now like this match could have ended up a lot better uh it just did it really seem to you either of you like either one of these guys was really challenging for their rightful spot in the wyatt family it didn't no that's I mean, see, me too. there wasn't like, really that's... a lot of drama in this match at all like the most drama we got a little bit was from the announcers so that's that's kind of my whole point is like it, there should have been something at stake and there was something at stake it just you didn't ju- really matter it didn't yeah it was just like it didn't seem like either guy really cared so it was overshadowed drastically by other things <sighs> to me they like really tried to get Luke Harper's gimmick over a lot during this match with the crazy eyes and all that kind of shit. And I think that didn't need to happen as much. Like, there should have been more trash talk between the two. That was picked up on Mike about why one deserved the spot in the Wyatt family over the other. And they didn't what play have you. They didn't, the, they they didn't play the that story at all. At all. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was weak. Yeah, I mean, short answer, it was a weak match. Um, it was by far... I'm over this whole feud in general. Yeah, I mean, we're not done with it yet, so that's the sad part. Uh, next match on the card, Alexa Bliss versus Naomi. This is for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Alexa equals great heel. That's that's oh, in my notes. Yeah. Like she yeah, she's super is good. phenomenal as a heel. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of good spots in this match, a lot of good heel spots. Like Alexa Bliss almost looked like she was gonna cry a couple times when like she didn't get the three count over Naomi. Mm-hmm. Um really kind of brought me back to uh, do you remember when Christian went through that singles phase where he just would throw tantrums every time oh, he lost? Like, yeah, after pretty much Edge and Christian broke up and Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that, like her whole demeanor, like when she was almost gonna cry in the middle of the ring when, when she didn't get the three count on that. Like she kinda slapped her hands against the the mat a few mm-hmm. times. Um, then you had her she worked the hair thing. Yeah, she was she pulling the hair. Stood up on the St- hair. Standing on the hair was a nice, a nice touch. Well, I thought Naomi has extensions and she's ripped them out before. So, <laughs> oh, I think the announcers mentioned something yeah. about that, but it was Naomi ripping out Alexa Bliss because that was the threat going into the match was that she was going to do that to her. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. This match was fun. Didn't like the finish because I didn't like that Naomi went over. 
It didn't make sense. It doesn't. This not- soon to WrestleMania, it's their last pay-per-view stop before WrestleMania. Why change? Why, now, why, why Daniel change Bryan did say on Talking Smack immediately after that just because these are the winners tonight doesn't mean that this is what's going to happen at Mania um, because he likes to play things fast and loose and anything can happen between now and then. I'm hoping that that's what happens with the women's, women's title. I don't want to see a repeat between Alexa Bliss and Naomi at WrestleMania. No. I want to see Alexa win the title back between now and WrestleMania and actually fight somebody uh, worthy of that. Like, and It's nothing against Naomi. She's just not there yet in my book. Yeah. Even her, her promo after she won was not good. You know, you know, I didn't hate her promo after she won, um, but it it felt a little like she was breaking kayfabe for me. Like it shouldn't feel like that. Yeah, and and the thing that I didn't that I don't really like is she's still a kind of a sloppy worker. What, like, yeah, um, when Sasha won the first time against Charlotte, yeah, she legitimately cried in the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's just who she is. Like. She's a good worker. She's a professional. And it didn't feel like it was a work to me when she won and she was crying in the ring and gave that little teeny bit of a promo. Yeah. And it just seemed more real to me than Naomi winning. I'm sure it's a big deal to Naomi. It is. Like, and don't get me wrong, she she is um she's not a good talker though. She I don't know. There's a lot of other girls that I would have been a lot more disappointed to see take the title tonight. Uh so I, I'm not really excited. But I'm still not excited about the outcome. I think that the um, there's a very good likelihood in the next couple of weeks we're going to see the belt swap back. Um, we kind of talked about this too. The women's division seems like they swap the belt every couple of weeks. Um, but I don't think that 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 going into Mania it's going to be Naomi versus Alexa Bliss, for example, or Naomi versus. I don't really think the Naomi is a Mania competitor at this time. They don't they don't swap it nearly as much. Like in fact, Naomi's only the third championship or champion since the brand. Oh split. really? Yeah, uh, and that was back in July. Uh, it was Becky Lynch going into SmackDown as the SmackDown Women's Champion. So they're they're giving her a pretty big push then. And Alexa Bliss took it from Nao or from uh, Becky. So yeah, this is this is only the third, but it is it is a significant push. And I just like I said, I don't like her mic work. And I think for somebody to be somebody who's going to carry the ball, so to speak, like you got to be able to do it in the ring and on the mic. And she's sloppy in the ring and sloppy on the mic, and it kind of yeah. I, I don't see it lasting long, and I and and I think it's programmed this way. So I think we're supposed to not be happy with the with the results of it. Any Going into it, hands. right? Um, so uh, only time will tell on this, but uh, yeah, we got seven weeks between down down Mania, and I do not see Naomi going into Mania to defend. Yeah, me neither. All right, unless so that- she gets beat really quick, unless she's given four minutes and. She loses in that four minutes. No, it's yeah. kind of a waste of a WrestleMania match, if you ask me. But I, I, yeah. I think the belt's probably going to swap hands before Mania because yeah. I, I just I don't see her wrestling Mania either. So, all right, next up is the Chamber match. Yeah, title card match, Elimination Chamber. Um, we've got six guys. Yep. Yeah. So it's John Cena, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, uh, Bray Wyatt, Baron Corbin. And the Miz. Yeah. So for newbies like me, when uh, you so you understand this match, it's it's not entirely unlike a Hell in a Cell match. There's this giant contraption over the cage or over the cell, except for there is no outside of the ring. Essentially, I mean, you have the ring, and then the um, level with the ring is another you know area 
uh, where they can fall onto. It used to be steel, now it's mats too. But you know, it's 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 tougher matting at least, I guess. Um, yeah, um, this 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 structure has changed quite a yeah, bit, and this is I think from what I've saw what I saw on the hashtag comments after the show or whatever on Smack Talk, somebody mentioned oh new chamber look. So I think that this was the first time they presented this chamber yeah. i've not seen this chamber uh and i Bale and i talked at length about the chamber throughout I the match fucking hate this chamber <laughs> yeah so i think it has good points and bad points it um, does it's taller than the original chamber so like if you're if you want to go up in one of the pods like you can actually stand at full height on top of the pod and you could come off of it and do an elbow or whatever you want to do which is a um, good thing that's a good thing did not necessarily like the mats on the outside of the no. ring because it used to be just a a, a steel and, uh, walkway, kind of similar to what they made the ramp out of before. Yeah. And, um, and, and after could, we watched you the could match, hear it. we watched the very first chamber match, and I went through. I said in the, this the recent one, I was like, the old chamber was much more terrifying. Well, and that's that's what they were selling the chamber on. Like Jr. and and King were talking about it, and they're just like. Uh, you know, this is if you get thrown over the ropes, like that's unforgiving steel, like mm-hmm. that's all it is. And oh yeah, like uh, the first chamber match we watched um after after the the one we watched tonight, um, HBK goes over the ropes um four or five times during the match, and every time he sells, you know, like because he lands on that the the unforgiving steel cage or whatever, um, and it's a big sell every time, and every time the guys go over the mats in this one, especially now comparing, it's like, well, I mean. Did it? Did is that really a big deal? I mean, they landed on the mat. Do we really care that much? You know, whatever. Uh, this is one of two matches that I actually called right at the beginning of the night. Um, so we'll go through it. We'll break it down. Uh, so starting the match, um, everybody was in pods except Cena and AJ. They they started out the the first two competitors in the ring. Um, did not give us the performance that we saw at the Royal Rumble or at SummerSlam previously the, uh, this year. I think that was probably intentional. There's no way they're yeah. going to top either no. of those performances in the few minutes they had before the next person entered the the chamber. So yeah, and I will go so so far as to say it wasn't bad. There was a couple of spots that I really enjoyed. Though. They kind of danced around a little bit, but yeah, they did they did get into um, a couple good spots. But uh, I mean, Cena did his weird flip, yeah, into uh, a, sunset flip big like, deal. Yeah, standing, but it was a full flip. flip. Thing, yeah, <laughs> um, the second time I've seen him do it, I saw him do it again. Uh, you know, the first time at the Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah. And it was a good spot then. Um, next uh, next competitor in, we have Dean Ambrose. So um, if you're not familiar with the chamber, you've got four pods, each containing a wrestler, and then you've got two wrestlers in the ring that started out. Yeah. Every so often, uh, I think it's every two minutes. It is. Uh, uh, a pod is opened at random, and that particular superstar comes in to join the action. So at this point, it becomes a, a three-way dance uh, between Cena, AJ, and Dean Ambrose. Uh, they exchanged some pretty good blows. AJ kind of laid out a little while, let Dean and Cena go through it um, a little bit. Cena was more active in this match than I would have given uh, given him credit for. AJ actually uh, kind of laid out more and and wasn't as active. Um, until later, yeah. Until later, yeah. No, I, I think Cena was probably kind of in it through most of the time, though. Except there was one spot where he laid out for a while, yeah. and it, it was kind of a ridiculous bump that really shouldn't have kept him out oh. that long. But. He he fell. He was climbing the he was climbing the the cage, and he fell onto a mat. Onto a mat <laughs> on his feet. Yeah, uh, like he lands on his feet. Like I mean, and, I get and laid there for 
10 minutes or whatever the, the worst you could say it was a hard landing but yeah they they the the announcers were selling it like uh you know it was it was uh, uh mankind going off the the top of the the hell in a cell or something like that like yep. it was not that big a deal small not even a bump like just landed it and then laid there for 10 minutes yeah so our next competitor is bray wyatt nobody's been eliminated yet bray wyatt can it kind of comes in and, and cleans house a little bit no no eliminations yet though but um, he's he's controlling the ring there yeah he kind of gets control of the ring pretty early there's some good spots in there uh and then the next competitor we have is baron corbin mm-hmm. uh baron corbin comes in who we didn't think we baron corbin was the odd man and they even the announcers said that he was like he's we, the lone uh, wolf yeah yeah he's the lone wolf uh that's kind of his, his gimmick and we didn't think he was gonna go out first no, we didn't. Uh, Miz actually act- is his turn to come in next mm-hmm. uh, before anybody goes out. But Miz <laughs> kind of hides in his pod because Corbin's the only one standing at the and, point where he's going to come in. And Corbin was doing work. He was cleaning house as well when yep. he came in. He had some good spots during that period, so, too, I thought. While the Miz is doing his little chicken shit dance inside the pod and not wanting to come out, uh, Dean kind of sneaks in and does a roll-up on Corbin, pins him, eliminates him. Uh, and that's when shit hits the fan. Corbin kind of goes a little bit nuts uh, on Dean, throws him through the, uh, the the wall of one of the pods. Yes. Uh, and just in general, beats the fuck out of Dean Ambrose. Uh, Miz, Miz being the ultimate opportunist, kind of looks around, realizes nobody's uh, in any position to do anything about it, runs in the middle of the ring and pins Dean. Just like that. No... Doesn't deliver a single move, just runs in, <laughs> just tends him, grabs the leg, and then celebrates like he he just won the won mania or something yep. like that. Like, uh, really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Cena comes in, uh, delivers the AA to Miz, eliminates Miz. Uh, so things are kind of going according to plan for John Cena, so to sp- uh, you know, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, we get Bray Wyatt comes in, delivers Sister Abigail to Cena, and eliminates him. So already, now we know titles changing hands. Titles changing hands because Cena was the the incumbent championship going into the match mm-hmm. or a champion. And uh, so now it's down to Bray Wyatt and AJ Styles. And man, we had some good spots. Oh yeah, uh, for that exchange. Dude, AJ Styles is just. I mean, we talk about this a lot, but AJ Styles. You could put him in the ring with a mannequin, and he would make that mannequin look like the best wrestler ever. He debuted at Royal Rumble uh, 2016, and just it seems like he hasn't looked back a single minute. No, um, he he. I mean, he, he calls himself phenomenal, but I don't think that's an unearned mar- moniker. When we talk about AJ Styles, we're talking about a wrestler that should have been in the WWE 15 years ago. And oh yeah, he's so little comparatively speaking to a lot of those guys that I don't think Vince ever really gave him a second look. And Mm -mm. so he went out, did his thing in TNA, made a name for himself there. Uh, Ring of Honor went and made a name for himself there. Went over to Japan and New Japan Pro Wrestling, made a name for himself there. To the point where, like, Vince didn't really have a choice at this point. He's like, we got to bring this guy in if he's available. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And I don't think he's regretted it. Oh no! I don't see yeah. how he could because number one, um, Cena's over. Or no, Cena, fuck. AJ Styles is over with the fans. I think, like at this point, um, even as a heel, he's over even with as the a fans. heel, yeah. he's over with the fans. Uh, number two, 
they're giving him some pretty big matches. They're giving him some big spots. Like they're they're letting him compete on a high high level. So I, like they can't be regretting it because Vince is still pushing the button. Like he screwed other wrestlers before, um, whether they're over with the fans or not. Uh, but they're not doing that with AJ because AJ's AJ is really really fucking good. So I think Vince is in a position where he knows that we have a finite amount of time left with John Cena. Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. And AJ is one of those guys that I think you can get work out of no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's, that's AJ's not gonna call in sick. That's what's no. impressive about AJ to me. Like, like you said, it's not like he's green. Um, he first off, he doesn't look like he's green, but he still does these big moves and big spots and every single match that are really hard to pull off every single time, and he nails it every single fucking time I've seen him wrestle. Okay, how old is AJ and Cena? How 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 much is the age between Cena and AJ Styles? Because I really want to know how long Vince McMahon plans on riding the AJ Styles horse. Uh, I don't think they're that far apart. It can't be that. I, I sincerely doubt they're that far apart, but I would say that AJ's got five, at least five more good years in him. That's probably fair, at least. Like, I, I don't know. It, he seems like if, if they, um, you know, like... Uh, so Cena's a year older than me, which means he's 39 this year. Okay. Well, But yeah, I definitely don't see Styles being on top as long as John Cena was. John Cena was on top for... I mean, it's really hard because um, Cena came in a lot younger uh, than than AJ is. I don't know. Maybe we're going to find out he's like 23 and he just looks really old and he's been wrestling since he was 11 or something like that. But. AJ's been wrestling a long time. Yeah, he um, has. AJ is the same age as John Cena. Okay. He's 39. Okay. So- but I'm just saying, like, a lot of guys his age, like, AJ, um, he doesn't look super young anymore. Like, he, he, he doesn't, I mean, I don't want to say he looks 39, but he doesn't look super young to me anyway. Um, but he's still pulling spots off like a kid. Here's, like, here's what I'm talking about: AJ Styles. AJ Styles has a lot more miles on him than John Cena does, and John oh, Cena is yeah. getting ready to retire anytime. Like, yeah. he's he's already not full time anymore. So, I, well, I think the other big part of that too is like John Cena has been making WWE money as as like one of the the main guys on the, on the roster for a long time now. Over and AJ, at least. you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm I'm sure AJ made you know some from uh, pretty decent cash in New Japan and all that stuff. Uh, but it just probably not what he's making at the WWE right now. Otherwise, nobody can pay what the switch? WWE can pay. So yeah, yeah, he's not made nearly the amount that John Cena's made. But uh, I, I, I honestly see AJ wrestling full time for longer than Cena. Uh, so do I. In the near future, like I see Cena kind of backing off a little bit. I, uh, I definitely think Cena gets his seventeenth championship and, and beats Ric Flair's record. Uh, I won't necessarily say that. I think he goes to eighteen though. Uh yeah, that's that's my thing is I I think they didn't even give Triple H the record over Ric Flair and Triple H is gonna own that company someday. So part of me feels like Triple H didn't want to. Triple H has always had a lot of respect for Ric Flair, I, and I'm not saying that John Cena doesn't, but what I am saying is that John Cena carried that company through a lot of lean years when there wasn't a yep. lot of top tier talent, and I think that's something they're they're gonna give John Cena because of that. I mean, we saw JBL versus John Cena for how long? In his early heyday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even his first match coming out against Kurt Angle. Yep. You know, coming up from OVW when he was the prototype. Those awkward, colorful tights. <laughs> that weird, where he actually wore like those wrestling shorts. Yeah. yeah. It was. Um, yeah. So 
AJ's got a lot of he's got some years left in him. Uh and that's why I just asked the question how much how much time? Because his mileage is so much more he's than He's got John a lot of miles Cena's. off. He does. Like even though they're the same age, like AJ's been in it for longer. He's been and worked harder. Like that's the yeah, thing. Is, exactly. is I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from John Cena because he's probably physically one of the strongest guys that in I've the long, ever seen. Yeah. It just like pure ability to just pick somebody, like deadlift somebody off the mat. That's a lot of work. Like those guys are two hundred pounds plus. Oh, don't get me wrong. Cena, Cena is probably one of the strongest guys there. Um, but AJ is just um, a lot more agile. Like, I mean, that's the short of it. Like AJ still maintains the agility that I'd expect like a much younger guy to 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 be doing. Uh, I think even... it's fair to say though that AJ has been beat up more. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially AJ wrestled in TNA in that six sided ring for a long time. Yeah. Uh, X division stuff, which. Those those were some brutal matches that he did. Yeah, and then you had stuff in ROH and New Japan, and this but that, was... that's kind of what I was saying about AJ too. Like he's just willing to go for the bigger spots every single match. Like yeah. every single match, he goes for the big spots. Like we we saw Cena, you know, do the little you know standing moon. Uh, uh, what was it? The fucking like sunset flip. sunset flip sort of roll up thing that he's been doing, and that's been a you know an interesting spot from Cena. AJ does bigger stuff than that like every single match he's in cena climbs up on top of a pod once and the, like there's a people fan are, going hey go kill yourself uh, yeah <laughs> it, pe- people are going nuts over stuff like that um when aj does that all the time so yeah don't aj's got a lot more miles on him so the only thing that number one i, I well, don't know when i, I can, made that comment about him doing a pele kick when they were both climbing up the side of the, the yeah. chamber and they were like halfway up to the top and i was like oh pele kick like, yeah it didn't happen but i was only half joking yeah, because yeah. I think AJ would do it. I I do too. So, so yeah, I I don't know. On the one hand, I could see like AJ not really having a lot of years left in him just because he does all this crazy shit ev- night after night, and at some point that's got to take its toll. But on the other hand, maybe he just can take it. Like, yeah. that, I mean, part of it is is pure choice when it comes down to it. He is smaller, so like the bumps that he takes are significantly less than if John Cena took those bumps. Yeah, because um, John Cena's got a lot of mass. It's it depends. I mean, if you're taking bumps in the ring, and you're a smaller guy, the ring doesn't give nearly as much, especially if you're landing on your own. I, I mean, I, I think it also depends. Like when when uh, AJ does some weird shit off the top rope and doesn't land it perfectly, you know. Like I, I think that's a little bit different than um uh I don't know Cena taking a sit out power bomb or something like that. Like, yeah. Either way, that those each one of those every time I see one of those um or that that style, you know, I think man. Just how many of those do, does a guy have in him? You know, like you can't do that night after night after night for infinity years or something like that. Even even age no. notwithstanding. So, no. is this a good time to tell everybody this, that AJ didn't win this? Yeah, I think now we should get back to the match. <laughs> yeah. So AJ did not win this. Um, as it as it turns out, Bray Bray Wyatt Bray Wyatt uh, AJ goes off. Uh, I think the top he rope. goes for a springboard. Uh, he went for the phenomenal uh, forearm. The phenomenal forearm. Yeah. Gets caught by Bray and Sister, uh, Abigail. Sister Abigail, and uh, Bray goes over. So Bray Wyatt, WWE champ for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, that sets up our next piece of drama. Randy Orton walks out on the ramp, 
and is looking at Bray, and the announcer says, does this mean, are we getting Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody already figured that out already. So that yep. was the one disappointing part, which is um, the, the ending was a little bit predictable because we know Orton's at Mania. We know uh, Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper and the whole Wyatt family thing. Um, so, yeah, predicting that was not a difficult maneuver. There's no storyline um, built around it, but, you know, we were talking before about how it would be a much better match to have Orton versus AJ. Yeah. At, yeah. At Mania. But I think this is a, uh, also highlighting a little bit of what AJ fanboys we are, because pretty much anybody versus AJ is, is probably a better match. Well, and here's the thing. You have seven weeks. You could build a story around that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you Have could. AJ go over in the chamber and then, like, have the two of them start feuding, you know, two nights from now on, on SmackDown. Yeah, they, they um, could. They could. I mean, that's a short. That's a short build, I think, for a mania story. But I mean, not it's really. not They've that much it. longer than. Uh, it, and it's not even that much shorter than than what they're doing with the Wyatt family. So, yeah, a little disappointed. I, I, I'm not super digging that that uh, I, for mania. I think Bray deserves a shot at the title. Well, th- so he's gonna run with it for. I mean, almost two months at this point. That that was but, the the feedback I was seeing on Reddit. Would there was a lot of people that were super happy that Bray uh, uh, picked up the title because I guess this is the, this is Bray's first time holding a belt. Uh, well, he was a tag team champ, but yeah, I mean, as far as holding yeah, a singles a, belt, a, a legit singles belt, yeah. Uh, I would have preferred it be under different different circumstances, but you know, he's definitely there. Yeah, I mean, he's wrestling really well. I didn't disagree with it. It's just I don't know. I'm not a super. I'm not as big a fan. And and uh, I was kind of expecting AJ to go to Mania. Um, although that would be super soon. But I was kind of expecting AJ to get premium placement at Mania. So. Uh, who knows what the match will be by the time we get to Mania? They could turn it into true. a triple threat or whatever. I hope not because I don't like triple threats at Mania. I if they did triple threat, the, the match, only- but. See, and that's the other thing. If they did triple threat at this point, the only thing that makes sense is throw Luke Harper in there, too. But who else are they going to spotlight, though? Like, that's the thing is, like, who, who's AJ's opponent now? I don't know. Yeah. They got to start setting up with his them. His match last year at Mania was kind of lackluster, and it was a match against Jericho, and they had a pretty decent great. program, but it just. It should have been great. Well, Jericho went over. I think that was my biggest problem with it is like, what's the point of putting him in a match and spotlighting AJ Styles at Mania if you're going to have Jericho go over? Mm, yeah. Because you're not hurting Jericho by having him lose. No, no, you're not. And AJ Styles is relatively new. Like, he came in at the Rumble, so he'd been there for maybe two months at that point and and you're having him lay down for Jericho. So that yeah, that doesn't make sense. It just it and it didn't make sense and that's kind of how that story ended. Like it just stopped essentially. Um that's sad. And I don't <laughs> think like... Jericho had much to do with that obviously. I think you know, that's definitely a Vince decision and it just seemed weird. Yeah, why bother? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for this week. Um, if you want to go follow us when we, um, you know, post our horrible predictions uh, for the next pay-per-view <laughs> event, you can find us at Whatever Show on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Whatever Show. Yeah, if you want to use email, um, questions at whatever.co. We're on Instagram as well, Whatever Show there. Uh, we don't have a Snapchat. I still don't know how that works. If you want to pay us money to talk about your shit on our show, sponsors at whatever.co. Yeah, we're down. Uh, Reebok? Most of it. Reebok, you, you've got our numbers, buddy. Yeah. Come on. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Later.